0: This is the Dorkside News Network, and this just in.
1: Well, I think there should be a Dorkside News flavor of Mountain Dew.
2: <laughs> Only available in this room.
1: <laughs> It'll
3: taste like crickets or something like we've had before.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, do, we eat a lot of weird foods. Uh, we are recording, by the way.
3: Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. In this very early morning, uh strange, strange time for our podcast, but super excited to do it. Um, we are recording this on a Saturday at, uh, what time is it now? 7.45 in the morning. So I know you guys are probably used to us recording at night when we're, I don't know, I guess exhausted, but we're not now. We're exhausted from waking up. <laughs> a different type of exhaustion? I, I don't know. Good morning. Uh, yeah. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Uh, i'm james i'm richard and we have our special guest timothy with us
1: hello everybody
3: uh timothy why are you here do you know why you're here i don't know if we told you why you're here
1: (laughs) i am unaware of why i am here but i am happy to be here nonetheless
3: well our 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 podcast is called Dorkside news and i don't think there's any anything more for uh, i would say a a slightly above average person in the uh, in the respected uh fame category than someone who works at a comic book shop and is also a dm so he is our king nerd for the day yeah that is beating uh beating myself with my anime and harry potter knowledge i I think i think he's beating my nerd my goodness (laughs) 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 um we're gonna have the interview with uh timothy after we go through the news like we always do well it's uh well i say always do we've done it twice
2: now where we done the interview with the, with the interview, yeah, or the news with the interview? Yeah. It
3: seems yeah. it seems to work. I like it. So, yeah. um, feel free to chime in on any of these news bits that you like, and uh, we'll um, just we'll get started on it. Yeah. Um, What's the news of the world? <laughs> the news of the world. We're starting with ditch the switch. It is a trending hashtag.
2: Yep, thirty six states have put into legislation trying to stop changing the time zone. It it's getting momentum. I guess it might happen um they tried this in the 70s people hated it <laughs> i don't think parents want to send their kids to school in pitch darkness i don't that's just this is i mean i don't care i will vote against getting rid of the time zone switch but i don't really care because my phone tells me when to get up and i go to work i don't it doesn't really matter if it's sunlight or not outside
3: yeah i have to time it for me it's sunlight half the time it's still dark it, it, Makes no difference to me. It's the same time for me, regardless. But
2: I don't think I don't think people understand how dark it's going to be when their kids are going to school. <laughs> like it's going to be really dark. It's
3: going to be very dark. I don't. I mean, I see this trending. I don't see it succeeding. But if we were going to try and have a, a hashtag succeed, I'd like hashtag ditch the uh, daylight savings time. We don't need that nonsense anymore. It's it's done. That's what they're saying. Oh, I thought this was – You said time zone switch. I misunderstood. I misunderstood what we were talking about. Yeah. Okay. No, I get it. Yeah. Okay. So then I am for ditch the switch. I know,
2: I? <laughs> I know you are. I know you
0: are.
3: I don't like the daylight savings time. I don't. I don't need it. It hasn't saved my time in
2: daylight at, at it all. It literally has. <laughs> it saved the daylight. Yes. It has. I mean, uh, okay, whatever.
3: Do you know why it was? Why it was invented? Why daylight savings time exists?
2: For farmers.
3: Yeah, farmers wanted to get up at a better time themselves by just changing their time back.
2: I, I'm telling you, people don't like to work in pitch darkness no, no, if that, they have to work outside. And
3: I get that, but with our t- current technology now, we don't,
2: I, we don't need to. But because you're a computer worker <laughs> in a casino where there is no time. The casinos have no time. People at home, if if you've never been to Vegas, when you step into a casino, it has been designed to take away time. So I don't even know what I don't even know what James cares. Number one, but number two. The people here in the city doing construction, which is year-round. Our city does like road construction and house construction year-round.
3: It seems like the 15, the 215 project is. They're been going to be <laughs> having
2: work lights out if they have to work at 6 a.m. and now suddenly 6 a.m. is pitch dark. Yeah, I still think we should ditch the switch. <laughs> Do you want to ditch the switch, Timothy? Let's ditch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm. Let's ditch it. Thirty-six states. I'm I'm uh I'm probably out on this one. So.
3: I guess there's. I mean, you know, for half the year you're you're like oh, I'm waking up so early, but there's that one day of the year when you you know uh, what is it uh, fall back, and you get an extra hour. You get an in extra day. hour. I love that day. <laughs> but then it, you know it's just as bad when you spring forward and now you're like oh, I just. I'm lost always willing
2: to give up sleep. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one, we've talked about J.J. Abrams and his son um, in their comic book. Uh, before, yeah, they're,
2: they're doing a five-part spider five-part Spider-Man series. They are
3: doing a five-part Spider-Man series. What we didn't really know too much about at the time was the villain. Now we do. The villain's name is Cadaverous, and he does Cadaverous things. I mean, he's <laughs>
2: if uh, if you go to our show notes, we have uh, links to the images of uh, of this villain, Cadaverous, and it's pretty gruesome. It's pretty. It's pretty good.
3: I'm excited. I mean, J.J. J. Abrams
1: is I think he's the fixer. So if
3: are you a fan of JJ Abrams at all Timothy?
1: You know the favorite thing of mine I think he's ever done is probably the adaptation of Stephen King's 11 63 with James Franco in the lead role. That was the Hulu series. Wonderful. I think he has the Midas touch to some extent. Yeah. Maybe not so much with Star Trek, but I think with a lot of uh, other stuff.
0: Yeah.
3: I I like Star Trek um I just I feel like there's obviously there's, there's some parts that could be better, but I just think he's he's the fixer. Like they bring him on if like if the series season or not season, if the series or the IP is failing,
2: JJ Abrams did, would be the one to fix. Did Spider Man the comic book need fixing though? <laughs>
1: um, well, I think probably not. Dan Slott did a wonderful job writing Spidey for years for Marvel, and um, I think that character is beyond needing help at this point, but yeah. it's nice to see JJ Abrams involved and nothing sure. wrong with that. In fact, it can only help, right? Yeah.
2: My, my only thing here is that I definitely feel like, um, I, I feel like the, I feel like the original great mm, comic book creators came from not rich backgrounds. That's what I feel like. Maybe for uh-huh. all I, for I know, Stanley was rich when he was a kid. I don't think so, though. I believe those were just working class Joes that yeah. worked real hard. And so, I
3: think if Stanley was rich, he wouldn't have joined the military. I don't know.
2: No, he would have had bone spurs or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do, I do feel like the amount of Hollywood people that are getting into comic book stuff. Obviously, they they probably liked comic books growing up, and then they got into movies, and then they made the money making movies, and then now they're like. He's money their, now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now they're like, "Oh, only yeah.
3: billions of dollars—that's all." <laughs> just, yeah.
2: So now they're like, "Oh, you know, let's do comic books because we want to do comic books." And I just wonder if number one, if their perspective is different because they're probably—I mean, I don't know. For all I know, J.J. Abrams' son gets picked on in school, just like most comic book fans got picked on in school. Um, his his son kind of looks like he was picked on in school, and maybe maybe like when you go to a rich school.
3: What Rich is saying is like if I saw his son at school, I would have picked on him. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I, exactly.
2: I, I'm saying I would be. I would have been friends with JJ oh, Abrams' son that's if great. I was in high school. Like, oh, okay. Um, are are rich people like in the same pecking order? Like, is is there like the rich kids in a in a rich school? getting picked on by the rich jocks like there's a whole pecking order just like normal high school i don't know yeah
3: i still feel like there's some kind of hierarchy like oh rich boy there he is like they're all rich i know i don't think that's really a
2: no so exactly so So the there's still jocks there's like the the son of some football player who's like (laughs) giant and he's like oh there's jj abram's son like um i don't know i don't know but i just feel like um, their perspective when they create comics can't really be the same as the people who originally created these characters. And I just wonder if we end up with more cinematic. I mean, supposedly, I, I, I watched the interview with J.J. Abrams, yeah. and supposedly they're really focused on Peter Parker. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Marvel ultimately better for me is that Marvel, the characters, they have personalities. Like the people have personalities outside of being a superhero whereas in DC most everybody's already dropped their their secret identity um you very rarely see Clark Kent it's just always yeah. superman it's always wonder woman and i find that incredibly boring and i like seeing the the lives of the heroes as they try to maintain the duality i don't know and i i just but i just don't know if jj J. abrams and his son has really like Normal insight into Peter Parker's life.
3: Well, what I'm most excited about is there is a lot of people, a lot of people who are just J.J. Abrams fans.
2: Sure, I, I, and, I, and
3: that aren't comic book readers. Yeah. So this just means that we'll get some more comic book fans to read some more material, and hopefully, you know, prolong the existence of comic books and, and stuff. Because comic books aren't doing so well right now. They're, I mean, I know they're still doing okay, but they're not doing as well. They're they're going down a little bit. So. I think any big-name director who wants to do a miniseries, it's just going to help. Give it a boost, man. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we have a bunch of other comics coming out, too. You were just, we were just talking about it before the show that um, uh, X – no, I was going to say X-Force. That's not, that's not the one. <laughs> Which one? Um, the X-Men series, the new X-Men series by um, – Oh, Hickman's the yes, House thank of you. X and Powers of X? Yes,
1: yeah, I think each of those is running for uh, six issues, and they're coming out weekly instead of monthly. So they should be available in trade form by Christmas time. That'll be that'll be awesome.
2: Yeah, and a then nice Christmas gift for me. Uh, yeah, and so, so then we'll all be caught up because we'll binge it in December.
3: Yeah, and I think after this, um, from we reported on it before. I think after House of X and Powers of X are done, they're taking a break from X Men for uh, a couple months. It's not going to be a long Night. break. It's not going to be a right. long. And hiatus. then it's
1: going to be Dawn of X or whatever they're calling yeah. it. the next big thing. I think that's what it is.
3: And I'm ex- I'm excited to see if this new X Men stuff ties into the MCU at all.
1: I don't know if it will
3: because they've been very good at it. Might it, it might it could they've been keeping most of it separate now from, I guess the timeline and where we're headed. Like the the timeline now has technically mm-hmm. has two caps in it, so. <laughs>
1: It's getting a little weird now with that (laughs) stuff. I agree.
3: I don't, I don't, I can't, that's the one thing I can't stand about the timeline uh, being all jacked up now with having two caps in it. So you're telling me um, Steve Rogers, the man who's there to defend the people and do all this stuff, now another version of him exists where he's with his, you know, with the love of his life. And when there's trouble, he just ignores it. You cannot tell me someone like that ignores.
2: Well, well sam wilson won't ignore it <laughs> that's, well, that's true well i mean sam wilson won't have been av- won't have been alive though in the 50s so, yeah, so that's, that's a, true too so that's the concept right was when captain america was young powerful cap he just becomes a working guy um back in the 1950s yeah his his alternate i, I mean ego. we don't know what he does maybe he became a writer i mean <laughs> i don't or a gym coach
3: we, you know what? There it is. There's the link right there. He didn't. He became Stan Lee. That's what he did. He's not. He's no longer Steve Rogers. He's. He's Stan. Maybe Lee. if
2: he lost the superhero serum and turned back into the original kid that, yeah. he, <laughs> that he was. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a good point that you know. Would he? Would he not save people? You could have a whole. Um, you could have a whole another series, like a whole, maybe a Disney Plus series, where he's like really trying not to be super, and if he doesn't wear his costume. He can still save a kid from being hit by a bus or yeah, something.
3: Yeah, and this is this is the same thing that we talked about with the new Star Wars game coming out from Respawn that I am super excited about. It was remember the story for that one was um, all the, Je- the the Jedi Order has been uh, mm-hmm. has yeah. been given. All the Jedi are dead. You play a Jedi who is trying to not be a Jedi. Yep. And he just can't help it. He
2: has to be because he makes friends, and his friend's gonna die. Yeah. And so he's like, "Oh wait, I have to use the the the, the Force." force.
3: <laughs> So it's, it's super interesting in that aspect where can we get Cap – like if we did a Disney series, can we get Cap to break his I'm not going to be a superhero a shell, I guess is what sure. it is. I would, I would like to see that. That'd be And
2: awesome. there, there's posters. Well, I guess he had a helmet on and in the posters and stuff. So, I mean, at that point, every, in theory, everybody in America knows who Cap is. Yeah. But he mostly He's wore a helmet yeah, and he, stuff. Most of the time. Yeah. So um, moving on. 6 DC so last week i think we maybe the week before we talked about the year of the villain for DC batman who laughs and how they're trying to figure out who has been infected by the joker virus and uh it's now been announced that 6 DC heroes have been infected by the joker virus and they've announced four of them this is kind of spoilers but i mean obviously you're going to see the comic book on sale so it's it's inherently you
3: probably might actually read it before we even Put the podcast up, so.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, actually, I don't know the release date on these. Yeah. If, if, uh, if you go in the show notes and you click in the link, then you can just probably follow through and actually probably buy it or something. Yeah. If, if you don't go to your local comic book store. Um, the heroes that have been infected is Shazam and Blue Beetle. I didn't know that's a, I guess it's just one comic book line. I don't even know why they're hanging out together.
1: <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? It's yeah. like Doctor Strange and Punisher have yeah. their own thing together now, like a buddy cop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i hope yeah. it's like an evil buddy cop series that that'd be fun it's
1: weird well i think <laughs> if you're it's gonna do there. the
3: buddy cop series you're missing a very important character
1: it's it's at least it's tongue-in-cheek and funny so you, you can tolerate it i guess but shazam and blue beetle I, I know what you mean that's a strange pairing right there
3: if you if you did a uh a, a strange and and Punisher comic you'd need strange's cape as a third character
2: <laughs> oh, of course <laughs> The comedy relief the whole time. <laughs> the one
3: holding the gun the entire time. Or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, the next villain, or the, the next hero who's become a villain because he's been infected is Hawkman. Ooh. And he looks pretty gruesome. Definitely go to show notes. Click on the link. View, the, view these uh, comic book covers because, wow, Hawkman. Uh, I, I love Hawkman for some reason. I don't know why. but I think uh, he just I, keeps coming back. He does. He does just keep coming back.
1: I also,
3: well, I also feel like he's underrated. Like, if you don't know, holy crap, he does look crazy.
2: He yeah, looks crazy. Oh. Yeah.
3: Um, I, th- I think he's just underrated because the the name Hawkman doesn't strike fear or justice or anything. It's just, you, oh, okay, he's a hawk, whatever. But if you actually see the, <laughs> he's a <hawk>. the yeah, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I mean, you know, like like Spider Man is also. I feel like in the same boat, but Spider Man has had, has had time to build up to who he is now. Well,
2: Spider Man has powers. Yeah,
1: Hawkman has powers. What's his powers? Hawkman's uh, able to reincarnate constantly, and he it, has that incredible big studded yeah. mace that he carries he has around. It's a mace. Well, yeah.
2: the mace with uh, what's it made of? Vibran- it's not vibranium, but it's uh, neutronium.
1: Could or, be. I'm actually not sure what it's made
2: <laughs> of. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's made of this inth uh, uh, oh, metal. I'm pretty sure it's inth metal. Is what it's made of, and wow. uh, never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So, uh, so, I, I don't, I don't know that I feel like die. The ability to die and come back is, is. I mean, obviously there, there's a couple. A power. That there, that, it's a power. There's literally a guy say, whose only power is that power.
3: Deadpool is literally that guy. No, no, no.
2: He <laughs> does it immediately.
3: Okay, Hawkman well, yeah.
2: isn't just going to come back in the same battle. I
3: no, don't right, think it takes time. It takes time. That's, so
2: that's fair. That's um, fair. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when Hawkman doesn't have his equipment, he's basically a guy as far as you know. I mean, yeah, you might kill him and then you might come back and be angry about it or something at I, some point. I don't I don't even know how long it takes him to come back.
3: I just might be biased because last time we played not not you, this version of Ultimate Marvel Alliance, but the the one before where Hawkman was in it, he was the easiest character to play, so I really liked him.
2: Marvel Hawkman was never in Ultimate Alliance. I'm pretty sure he was. Hawkman is DC.
3: Oh, yeah, he wouldn't be in Ultimate Alliance. No, not that one. Uh, Damn, what game was it?
1: There was a game where I played that was very much like Ultimate Alliance. Maybe it was uh, DC Ultimate Alliance?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I I have to look it up. In an alternate universe where there was a game like that, James played it, and he's angry about it. Okay, I get it. Um, Supergirl is This is why we don't podcast in the morning. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Supergirl... Looks like she's the new poster child of the what's that movie? Uh, the no 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 the
3: um, I have to look at her first. So you watched the
2: movie and you hated it uh, with Superman killing everybody as a kid.
3: Oh, ah, *Brightburn*.
2: Yeah, Supergirl is the new *Brightburn*. That's
3: she literally yeah. She definitely looks like James. You watched *Brightburn*? I I did watch *Brightburn*. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: <laughs> there is so many shows <laughs> on Netflix that he has not watched yet. But meanwhile, he watched Brightburn. Yikes.
3: Okay, so let me explain why. Superman is my favorite DC comic superhero of all time. Uh, I have a long past with him because of stuff that's happened in my life before where I'm a big, big Superman fan. And I was super excited to see Brightburn. And holy crap, that was an awful movie. I, I mean... I it, apologize. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it I, was up there with Mortal Engines. That It was that bad. <laughs>
1: Let's hope there's not a sequel. There we go. Uh,
3: The scary part about that was in Brightburn, they made very loose mentions to other stuff that would be a sequel. Because there was a news broadcast, I think, at the very end, where, like, there's some terror in the sea. And I was like, oh, they better not do Aquaman next. hmm. It sounded like that's where they were headed.
2: Hmm. Maybe You know, I'm kind of open for it, personally. Um,
3: Speaking of, I just got really excited. I just remembered something.
2: I hope Aquaman's like Cthulhu Man or something. <laughs> but okay, go ahead.
3: Black Panther 2. I know this isn't in the show notes, but I just remembered uh, hearing about it. Um, you have one job. I know. Um, they, people think that they, they have the theory. This, it's not a link that I could put anywhere. It's okay. just something I heard. Uh, people think that they might have figured out who the villain for Black Panther 2 is going to be. Okay. And I was like, okay, if they say who I think they're going to say, that would be dumb because we know Michael B. Jordan's coming back to reprise his role in some fashion. To do.
2: Um, I still think he's going to be just a another ghost. Yeah, a ghost in the. Like um, you know, because he drank the serum and then he died. So now he should be with the rest of the kings.
3: So do you remember in Infinity War when. Oh, was it Infinity No, I think it was actually Endgame. When Okoye reported in to Scarlet Witch, or not Scarlet Witch, uh, Black Widow. Um, like, you know, when she was at the desk and she had these four yeah, yeah, screens. Yeah, okay, Okoye yeah. Okoye reported in and said, Something's happening at the bottom of the sea. I think we should go check it out. Yes. So yes. people think Black Panther 2 is going to take place in some form of water. And the only villain that would matter for that is Namor.
2: Huh. Um, I could see that. They would have to get rights from Universal, I believe. Um, oh, that's right. Which they already did for Hulk in, in like some sort of weird way. So uh, yeah, I, I see that.
3: Do you know the Hulk's rules? I just found those out as uh, recently as well, too. So the, the rights that Universal has on the Hulk, um, Marvel is allowed to use the Hulk in any fashion that they want, except he can't be the star of his own movie. He can't be the title character, which is why you don't see any Hulk movies, because that was part of the agreement.
2: I, I think that's okay, because I think, uh, I think Hulk is kind of a, a boring character to have be the, the main person. Yeah. I think he's a good side character. The only
3: reason that sucks and there's because there's only one version or movie or something MCU I would like to see with the whole anything else yeah side character Hulk is yeah. good I still would like to see
1: um, Planet Hulk as a real thing and why not World uh, World War Hulk also Ooh, that's a good one.
2: I um, I thought that <laughs> that was basically done because of Thor Ragnarok no I guess you could say that because I I feel like when they touch on some of the other like, like War, uh, War Hulk or whatever planet. I don't know. World I War Hulk. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, when they touch on those ba in, in another movie, it's going to feel really weird if they then come out with another movie that's more directly related to that comic book the, line.
3: The only issue I have, cause I know what you're saying because of, because of, uh, what was it? It wasn't nowhere. I forgot where they ended up, where you had the, not the collector. What was his name? That Jeff Goldblum played. Yeah. Whoever, whatever character that was, it's,
2: it's way too early, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's actually fine. I, I mean, I always get up this time, but I don't normally no, talk.
3: I, I don't. I don't use my brain this early. Mm-hmm. Um Whoever it was, they they you know were they were talking about having the Hulk, but Planet Hulk is a whole planet of Hulks instead of just the Incredible yep. Hulk. Yeah, yeah. So that was the only reason I would have liked that one, because. And uh, I think that had Hulk's son Scar in it. Yep, as it well.
0: did. Hmm.
1: A fun character, like Scar. It's yeah. doubtful, though, that the MCU would explore that any further than it's already been explored.
2: I also I think that people really really like the Immortal Hulk, and I don't know how well the Immortal Hulk with this concept that there's like, I mean, they keep doing this where they take characters and then kind of make him kind of magical, and um, with that with the concept of Immortal Hulk, I don't know if Immortal Hulk is really canon. I I assume it is, if it's canon. It doesn't even really necessarily make that much sense to just have an infinite number of, um, I don't know, infinite, but a planet full of Hulks. I don't know. I guess we'll see.
3: But The interesting thing about Planet Hulk, though, is there's a whole planet of Hulks, but they don't have the power the Incredible Hulk does because his was a mutation and not uh, a birthright, I guess mm. is what you could say. That's an interesting one. Um, We also pointed this up before. Um, I know you said you're a little bit behind in the uh, MCU movies. Oh, very behind, yes. But without trying to spoil too much, every villain dies. (laughs) Oh, good. That's
1: something to look forward to because, (laughs) you know, I root for the heroes.
3: Um, We actually talked about this a couple weeks ago. We still only have two villains that have lived through all, what we got, 24, 23 movies now? In the MCU, yeah, something like that. Um, Abomination and Baron Zemo are the only two villains. That and Abomination can... is a universal
1: movie, yeah, and that so that doesn't really count. And mm-hmm. Doctor Doom, but that was Sony, I think, so that doesn't count yeah. either, yeah, or Fox, I forget. It's Fox. hard to keep up. Fox. <laughs> Fox.
3: <laughs> well, now it's okay, so now they could do Doctor Doom, though, because you know, who Disney should be Doctor
1: Doom in the MCU now?
3: Ooh, did we, we talked about this before, um, did, this is yeah. a tough one because I I feel like. Okay. John Ham, I think, is gonna be a, would be a, an awesome Doctor Doom. Yeah. Uh and if you don't know it, John Ham is from uh, Mad Men.
0: Okay, yeah. The, yep. the
1: title character from Mad Men. I think he'd be awesome. I, I'm dry and Jerry referring to John Ham as John Ham from Sucker Punch. He was pretty cool in that.
3: Oh, I completely forgot he was in that.
1: Holy crap! You and and Sucker, Sucker
3: Punch is one of my like it's early.
1: It's early. Yeah, you know?
3: Sucker Punch is one of my favorite movies, too, that always get pooped on by everybody else. I love Sucker Punch and everybody else. I
1: love else, that film. Ugh. I, I just, love that film. Yeah. As for who could play Doom in the MCU, boy, I don't know. He posed uh, his
3: own hard question. <laughs>
2: I, I feel like um, DiCaprio.
1: Ooh, oh,
2: my! It's a great cast. Great cast. However, um, they normally any character that they want to have in a lot of movies, they normally try to cast a no-name person because they're so much cheaper.
3: Yeah, trying to put DiCaprio as uh, <laughs> Dr. Doom in 10 movies will basically cost all of Disney's budget, I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's well, crazy because
2: Disney makes a lot of money. However, I think in the past some actors have actually taken um, reductions in their pay yeah. because so many people want to be part of the MCU.
3: And we're still waiting. And so uh, another good piece of news,
2: Keanu still
3: wants to do a part. Mm-hmm. In the MCU. Maybe Keanu Reeves as
0: Doom.
3: Every time I hear that, I always see the, the scene from Matrix and Bill and Ted in my head both playing together as some
1: form of Doctor Doom. Are you stoked for the new Bill and Ted, by the way? Oh, my God, yes.
3: Me uh, too. They actually just showed some, uh, some trailer footage for it. And I don't know how, but those two didn't age. Good for them. They may have gained weight. Maybe. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fair. Maybe. And um, from what I'm understanding, too, Death is coming back. Oh, no kidding. For the third one. Ooh. So, he I, also looks the same.
0: <laughs> I mean, Death always looks the same. So,
3: um, I guess, well, continuing on this, this Batman Who Laughs, since we sidetracked a little bit. Um,
2: who else is there? So uh, they've announced six, but we don't know. So there's two... There's four, there's still four known with the covers. The other two, we don't know yet. There's so there's characters. Shazam,
1: Blue Beetle, Hawkman, and who? Supergirl. And Supergirl. And Kara. Poor
2: Kara. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, they're going to cure these people. Uh, and <laughs> Hawkman will just come back. The you know, Spoiler for Batman Who Laughs, but in the Batman Who Laughs universe, when Batman gets infected with the um, Joker virus, he wipes out the whole world. Oh he, he You mean he infects the whole world? No, he kills the whole world. Oh, that's different. He uh first <laughs> he guns down his crew and then he progressively kills the rest of the Justice League because then cause they would cure him and he doesn't want to be cured because he's the Joker now. So he would he went on to kill the whole world? Yeah. Where so, did he get that much ammunition? He's
0: just he's, doing this all the time. He's Batman. It's and, on his utility I, belt. I, I, I have no <laughs> idea. I,
2: I mean, we're all waiting for the trade paperback, but... Um, Guilty. So, <laughs> um, and that was... that was uh, The Batman Who Laughs series is a different evil Batman and a different Batman alternate universe, each one. So they're they're being pulled together by some sort of other master villain Um. Who ultimately? I mean, I don't know. I,
3: we were talking about that. We, too. we don't know who's the who's the overarching villain for the Batman who lasts, Mister Mixo Pitlick. <laughs> <laughs> just for fun, just for fun. He Where's just wants he to We need more. Yeah. Of him. That's what
2: we we're always saying. We need more Mister Mixo We need more Batmite. We need more. And then um, Marvel, we need more Impossible Man. Where is he?
1: I don't.
2: This is the fun <laughs> stuff that really should be out there a bit more. Well, with the new What If series on Disney Plus. looks good yeah we might be able to get some of these things
1: my mind went
2: i think we're going to see some marvel zombies stuff
1: yeah yes because of the what
3: if yes yeah um actually so we were we were talking about this in the in the what if logo when they when they put up all their schedule of all the stuff coming up if you look close you'll see a little zombie yep and you see a zombie cap too it's awesome yeah very Uh, observant
1: I think that's a clue.
3: <laughs> my, uh, my mind went to one of the pictures I've just seen, or a meme I've seen recently, which is uh, some guy was like, uh, I just started working with a guy. and His name was Wayne Bruce. And he's like, when I, when I first met him, I introduced myself. I went, oh, my old arch nemesis, Wayne Bruce. Or, no, cool my, my, my old arch nemesis, uh, Man Bat. And he's like, and he didn't laugh. And he's like, I guess he just didn't get it. Uh, and then some other guy was like, not all capes wear heroes. <laughs> that,
2: was <just> like, <laughs> that was great. Wow. We, we, we can't, can't have Impossible Man. We can't have Impossible Man until uh, Fantastic Four comes out, though. So I mean, We have you, to wait. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it'll be
2: worth it. I mean, wait. you could, but it you just doesn't make Spider, sense.
3: Spider-Man did it very well. The, the video
1: game Spider-Man did it completely without Fantastic Four being there. Yeah, but that's not Impossible Man. He's got to be worked in with the FF, I guess.
3: Oh no, I'm thinking of I'm putting the wrong man together. See, I'm again too (laughs) early. Not impossible, man. I'm thinking of Negative Man. My bad. Negative Man. Yeah. Negative Man was in uh, Marvel, the Spider-Man video game.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right.
2: So, uh, History of the Marvel Universe number two uh, came out, and it's or it's coming out, and it's uh, they're gonna reveal the Mystic Destiny Kiss. That they've hinted at in the past that they that they were like so they started the second uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, I don't like Destiny personally. She died. I don't care. I mean, it's just I just don't care about her. Whatever. I just you, feel it's I weird
3: mean, that you're if you're gonna have a character with a name who's Destiny, they shouldn't die. That's in their, I mean, she, in her their mutant name.
2: power is the ability to see the future. So
1: uh, It's weird. Didn't we already have a Destiny? Wasn't that a Neil Gaiman Sandman? Wasn't he one of the Endless? I believe Destiny was the one with the big book and the hood. You never saw his
2: face. But Destiny came out in 1981 though. So Oh, that preceded Gaiman's book then. Yeah. Yeah, so but she's her character design sucks. And that's ultimately like there's nothing wrong with Destiny except I hate her character design. It's she got like this weird big blue head <laughs> and like a yellow face. Um and I don't even know how you'd design a costume like maybe it's like I don't even know. I don't even get it. Um, it's kind of dumb, but anyway, I, I, get that people that are, that are invested in, um, whether, uh, I, I put mystic in the notes. It's actually mystique, but, uh, <laughs> we'll fix it. <laughs> um, I know that mystique is like the first lesbian character in the Marvel universe. A lot of people really care about that. They do, Um,
3: but and then you you're always gonna get that one person that was like, Well, Mystique can turn into a guy, so it's not really a lesbian character. Okay, she did
2: turn into a guy as a as like a cover for their like relationship thing. Um But a lot of people like they only hinted like Marvel yeah. wasn't brave enough to say that they really were together. And so now they're outright saying in this history of the Marvel universe, now they're together. So there you go. There's no more, there's no more doubt. There's no more. Well, <laughs> technically she was never actually yeah. with destiny. No, she's with destiny. So. so
3: let's tell I want to take a step back real quick. You just mentioned Sandman. Now I'm hoping you've heard the news that Sandman has been green lit to be a TV show. I have heard this news. And how, how do you feel about this? I'm excited. Because of the, I mean, because of who picked it up. Yes, of course, I'm excited because I believe it was Netflix they got it, and um, it was either Netflix or Amazon, one of the two. But either one of those has yet to let me down on my TV shows. Why did Joseph Gordon-Levitt leave that project? That is a strange question. Maybe he wants to do Third Rock from the Sun again. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's that's. It's the Sandman. Why would you leave that pro-
1: that's a huge project. I would never leave that project. Richard wouldn't leave that project. No. <laughs> I'd be there. Um yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for what they do, especially knowing how CGI and special effects are these days and what they can recreate yep. from that story. I was um,
3: listening to Kevin Smith talk about this and uh his co-host was like, "Would you uh would you have directed Sandman?" He's like, "Fuck no." He's like, "I'm not talented enough to do that." <laughs> that's
2: that's a huge thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh I, the biggest reason why I would have quit The Sandman is if it looks like it was getting just going downhill. I'm like, they're ruining this, and I don't want my name attached to this project. <laughs> I'm, I'm, out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out.
3: I'm snidering this. Let's get out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well I sure hope it's going to be a good one.
3: I think it will. I think it should be. Um, everything I've seen and heard about it so far is a lot of the people who care about it. It's it's going in the right direction, especially Neil Gaiman himself saying it's it's going the way he wants it to.
2: Great. He he is he is so good at really being invested in the in the projects, and I think people trust Neil Gaiman, right? He has he has enough pull and weight to actually kind of guide his projects to success. Um, And
3: every time we talk about Neil Gaiman, I will always bring up Good Omens
2: and how. And I was gonna say every time I know you Uh, always Good Good
3: Omens was so
0: good.
2: (laughs) Have you seen good, uh, Good Omens? yes fantastically done it, it was my
1: favorite bit from the television adaptation was the editing just the, everything mm-hmm. the set design then the camera work the read, writing was strong the acting was strong too you, you read the book work. as well yes of course love that book love that James. book and i things- I,
3: have, I still have yet to read the book but i have seen the entire show I know that doesn't
1: equate, but it's close. Have you read Neil Gaiman's North mythology book from two years ago? No, I need to. That's actually a very good entry point for younger readers and children to get into Norse mythology.
3: I think... um, That's really good. I honestly think the first thing that that Neil Gaiman uh, that I paid attention to that he did was episodes of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that that was when I first started, because I always watched the opening credits when I was watching Doctor Who. and You always see Stephen Moffat Yep. Who was the, the overarching creator for uh, you know Doctor Who, and you see every now and then Russell T Davies who did a few episodes, and then you see Neil Gaiman and there's maybe one episode a season ish, and I'm just like who is that guy? Because I see him in all these episodes I like, I've liked, I slap and this you. was this was years ago though. This wasn't like last month. This was- I want to
2: go back in time <laughs> and slap that James.
1: <laughs> I just really want to see him return to graphic literature in a big way. He hasn't done that for us yet. Yeah. He owes us that. He <laughs> owes us. <laughs> hey, we're the fans. Strong yeah, words. It's true. Uh, okay, so up next this is uh my
3: corner since we're missing our other co-host who's usually here um I don't I don't know if he'll be back anymore. I don't know. I mean, oh, no. he might he might guest star every now and then, but he's He still lives here. He yeah. he's still he's still my... <laughs> He might show up every now and then. Um but we've talked about some anime Last time that I had started. And now I wanted to tell you about if I liked it or not. Um, All of them, yes. So that's it. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Fire Force, I watched the first episode. Um, If you guys like Soul Leader, it's very much on that same animation style. And I love Soul Leader. So the first episode of Fire Force was good. That episode enough was enough to draw me in. However, I watched two other series at the same time. Um, I love saying the title of this next one. I have to inhale for it. Do you love your mother and her two-hit multi-target attacks is the next one I started watching. And this is... Uh, Rich, I think you said something about Sword Art Online before. Have you seen yeah. Sword Art Online? Yeah, yeah. Imagine Sword Art Online okay. where the main character gets pulled into a game. Yeah. But instead of just the main character, the mom is worried, so the mom comes into the game as well.
1: I have, Does so, this enhance the game in some
3: way? Well, here's what's funny. It's, it's kind of like on the same type of series as like One Punch, where everything's a joke and you know sure. it's supposed to be a joke. They call this game the M-M-M-M-M-O-R-P-G. Like There's a bunch of M's. And it's like the maternal mother, massively multiplayer. Like It's all about mothers. The, the, the name of the character is Mamako. Okay. Mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they go to the world of uh, Mama Land or something. Like everything has to do with mom. Did this
1: come out on Mother's Day? Just kidding. It might have, actually. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. it might
3: have. Um, but so the, the opening sequence was probably the funniest thing. They have the main character pick one of three swords. And he picks the holy sword. She's like, that's the cool one. I want to pick it up. So he picks that one up. And then he has his mom is the next to pick up a sword. And she picks up the other two. And she's like, what do, what do these do? And now she has both. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, what? That's not fair. How does she have two swords? <laughs> And so, apparently, like, the rest of the series is about him being very good at fighting one target. Yeah. But there's never one target to fight. There's always multiple. And so, his mom is always killing everything before he gets a chance to even and attack. And they're stuck in the game. like. And they're stuck did. in the game. Yeah. And the, to win the game, you don't beat the boss. You have to develop the relationship with your mother to get out. <laughs> oh, wow. It's so weird.
1: That is really out there. <laughs> that...
3: But it's it's funny though because the, the you know the kid is trying to prove himself that he can be a strong hero and his mom ends up killing all the monsters before he even gets a chance to swing.
2: So in in America we call that genre the lit RPG at least in the in the mm-hmm. novels right lit RPG not lit what, as in like oh it was lit no like, like, like literature, literature. <laughs> yeah um, what what is it called in anime.
3: Okay, so we have a term for it in anime. Yeah. Um, when you get sucked into another world, which is a huge thing. in Sucked is, into a
2: video game world.
3: Well, okay, so it doesn't always necessarily need to be a video game world, but most of them are. Yeah. Um, yeah. We call That's it isekai. And, isekai, and okay. And that yeah. directly translates to being sucked into an other world. Okay. And it's gotten to the point where there's so many of these type of ones that they were just getting lazy with titles. For instance, we have Isekai Cheat Magician is another anime that just came out, which is literally a magician gets pulled into another world. Okay. And that's that's what it is. So yeah,
2: is. I'm close to giving up on the the lit RPG market. I just feel like um, these series, and they're almost always series yeah. for some reason, um, they get started and they almost never get finished. The authors literally start another new series and another new series and another, another new series. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute go back trilogy needs a third book where is the trilogy so that the character can either escape the video game world or somehow just get happy with living there and the 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 one which this this got big in russia first really so one of the russian authors i follow he finished one of his and it was complete garbage so (laughs) i kind of um i kind of get that maybe there's just no there's nowhere for this to go Yeah, because a lot of times their bodies have died. They've like died while their brain was stuck in a video game. So there's just nowhere for them to escape to and they don't age in the video game. And there's just like yeah. just nowhere to nowhere to go. So, I think
3: the one thing I, I mean, I should have known by the title of the anime. But the one thing you need to know if you do plan on watching this and it is it is worth watching because it's hilarious is it's the entire anime is a joke know that going in that it's making fun of itself the entire time Mm -hmm. just like one punch man does and one punch man is honestly one of my most favorite anime because it does that it knows it's being ridiculous and it makes fun of itself i don't know if you know anything about one punch man timothy um i know in fact my anime background is very very minimal so yeah that's me traditional anime always has the character power up You know, fight a villain and then almost never wins that fight, and then goes and powers up more, and then eventually beats the villain. Okay. Well, One Punch Man is about a a a man who is trained so long that his hair fell off, and that he can defeat everybody with one punch. And how young is he? Uh, I think Saitama is like maybe mid twenties or mid thirties.
1: He's in between there. He's lost all of his hair
3: because yeah, because he trained so hard it just came out. Okay. And the that's the joke of the entire series is. Literally every fight he's in, he kills everybody in one punch. The entire first season, every bad guy, he he honestly kills them oh in my, one punch. My god, why would anybody start a fight with this guy? <laughs> so
2: well, at first they don't know that like most people don't realize he's the one who's defeated. Yeah, them, right? so
3: the, the joke between that is there is another hero who's super cybernetic, has lasers and stuff that comes out. Whoa, and he's always w- around Saitama, the one punch man when something goes down. And so everybody assumes it was the cybernetic guy who did this thing. I see. And Saitama is just trying to prove himself as a hero. And they don't realize he's the one doing all the work. Like the other cybernetic guy cannot win in a fight against Saitama at all. That is
1: so absurd and far-fetched. I love the idea.
3: It's great. And there's a season two of it too. So, but like they know the entire time they're making fun of themselves. Same, same concept of this one. Like everything has to do with mother. If there's anything where it's like, uh, the mother needs to do this and the mother needs to do that, it'll happen in this one. The mother is always the strongest. Um, the characters that they join the party, they're looking for their mother since they lost them in this one. Like
1: it's all, it all revolves around I'm that. I'm wondering story. now how different Tron would have been had the character's mother gone into the <laughs> to try to help him.
3: If the character's mother is really good at Pong or bike racing, I don't know, maybe. Um, and then the final one. Uh, I know I keep saying I was kind of late on this one. But if I'm going to talk about my anime of the year and we're about midway through the year now, uh, this is it. This is my anime of the year. It is probably one of the most entertaining shows I've ever seen.
2: Man, you're, you're, you're hiding the, uh, I am. I'm, I'm little, leading the, the witness right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: it's called the rising of shield hero. Um, so the quick synopsis of this one is kid picks up book. Hey, it's an isekai kid picks up book, gets sucked into this world. Okay. Um, there's, Rich, Rich knew that was coming. Yeah, yep, he yeah. knew it was coming. Uh, there's very four,
2: popular. It's, it's growing. There's
3: four heroes that get pulled into this world from the outside. And when they meet each other, they all know they're from the outside. So they're talking to each other like, is this a okay. game? Like, okay. Um, there's the sword hero, the bow hero, the spear hero, and the shield hero. Those are the four heroes. So, and, so
2: they're in a book or a game?
3: It's, it's not really quite. It, it seems like it's a game because there's a HUD. And the HUD looks like it's a video game. That's a key component
2: of these things normally, is that the characters have some sort of meta information that they're able to bring up and see stats on things.
3: Um, This is supposed to be like a recurring thing. Like when things get too far in this world, they call on the heroes and bring them in. Okay. So this isn't the first time they've called the cardinal heroes. They've called on them before. Okay. This Uh, is
2: like Gauntlet. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Every time that the heroes come in, the shield hero is the one who gets the the shit end of the stick because the shield hero doesn't have a weapon. Yeah. He's the only one without the weapon. And in this one, the very first episode, as soon as he gets to this world, he gets framed for something he didn't do. And their, their whole purpose is to try and bring the shield hero down and bring the other three heroes up. And in the first episode, the shield hero gets so pissed off about everything that's happening and about he's being blamed for all this stuff. He just stops caring and he turns into this other kind of. He's an asshole now.
1: I feel so sad for the
3: show. Yeah, shield but for, for good reason. He's an asshole because nobody believes him. The, the bad thing that they think he did. Was, but he's a cardinal hero. Yeah. So they still have to let him proceed on because he's the hero. But what, what they think happened was that he raped a girl. And what really happened was the girl set him up via the king telling him or telling her to do so.
2: Knowing he was the cardinal hero, knowing
3: he's the cardinal hero to try and set up the shield here. The when you get further along with the series, there's the religion that they practice. Hey,
2: okay, so so this anime of the year, when was it released?
3: Uh, probably last year, I think.
2: Okay, well, that's not too long, it's, it's recent. You said you were behind. I was like, are you trying to tell us this this anime from five years <laughs> no, ago no. was an, it's anime it is of more, it is okay, more recent. no, that's fair. Uh,
3: the religion that they practice in this show is um, I forgot what they called it, but it's the three heroes religion the three (laughs) Three, heroes not four. yeah the three being leaving the shield hero out that's what i'm saying that the whole world in this one is is built to bring the shield hero down and the 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 reason that it's so good is the show is called the rising of shield hero and how the shield hero does become one of the most powerful heroes okay in the show and it's just cool he gets uh party members that are awesome i'm halfway through right now it's just it's fun to root for an underdog. Yeah. And the best part about it is, um, again, he has no weapon. He has a shield that can block things. And depending on what he puts into a shield after he beats a bad guy, it can convert his shield into different types. So he can you know, have a poison-resistant shield. He can have like a water shield. He can do other stuff. But um, he's the first one, of course, in any of these, he's the first one that does something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the first one where he gets so angry that he curses himself. Uh, and the curse brings out the rage shield, which for every basically every skill that he's unlocked, it, uh, it shows it's, it's, it's something you get to see. But when he brings up his HUD, you can see all the skills that he's unlocked. Yeah. When he brings out the rage shield, all those skills finally uh, like appear on his skin as like red blood and all that stuff. Okay. And um, he just gets angry and to the point where he doesn't know who he is anymore. It's whoever's in front of him is going to die. Hmm. And his shield turns to all fire. He gets a big like metal arm and everything. It's super awesome. And like all these people who are like, the Shield Hero can do some crazy shit. Where did this shit come from? Because nobody's seen any of the heroes be able to do this before. Because he's the first to be cursed. Okay. Because of his whole setup and the whole background.
1: So. So it's a good thing he got real upset and unlocked that it, rage.
3: Exactly. So it's super good. I mean, if you guys are interested in you know isekai or other world anime. If you like sword art, this is definitely my anime of the year so far. It's it's great. Cool. Um, yeah. That, that's that. That's my anime list. <laughs> uh, up next. So this one is definitely more in your warehouse, Timothy. Um, Uh-oh. We talked last week about... <laughs> yeah, so do you like B-movies? B-movies? Yes. Love them. So uh, the particular B-movie, did you like the Dungeons & Dragons movie? No. (laughs) Well, that's good. Somehow you knew I was going to say that, right? Uh, It's good because they're trying again.
1: I know they are. (laughs) Try, try again. If at first you do not succeed, I don't think there will ever be a successful Dungeons & Dragons film, but it sure would be nice to see them try. It's fun to watch them try. It is. I
3: I have a thing for B-movies where the more ridiculous they are, the more I end up liking them to a point, I think. Because I think Sharknado is ridiculous. I hate Sharknado. It's so dumb. But Mortal Kombat and Dungeons and Dragons, I like those movies because they're, I don't know, maybe they're just more in my wheelhouse because they're fantasy-based. Hey, I think that's guess. quite all right. Um, anyways, the DMG movie we're talking about is uh, possibly has two directors.
0: Uh, so, I,
2: yeah, they're they're in talks with Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who both co-directed Game Night. And Game Night was a good movie. too. It was a good movie, actually. <laughs> Um, you see, Game name? I have not. What's that about? It is about, um, let's see. It had the the blonde who was the first Electra in the first era. I, I can't
1: uh, Jennifer
2: Garner. Jennifer Garner, and it has the guy from Wow. Uh, I can't remember the husband, but rate, anyway, So they're kind of. Am, am, am I right on that? I'm pretty sure it's Jennifer Garner and. Uh, no. It's not. It's not. In to Rachel oh. McAdams. I should have. Known oh that. yeah, sorry. Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman. So they are in. They they have this game night every every week or whatever they uh meaning what like board game or card board game night board, uh, yeah. board game night board, board game games. night like pictionary okay. and stuff like that not not really my style of board games cuz <laughs> obviously <these> I'm, ones. <laughs> I'm more like we have uh we have all these legacy board games and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah bigger crazier board games for for our game night but uh, yeah like pictionary stuff like that okay. and they think they are part of a
3: Well, so Uh it was it was dull. They were the the uh, the uh, the people that showed up were getting bored of the same game. Yeah. So they decided to enter into a new game. Well, his
2: brother shows up. Yeah. Oh, that's right. His brother shows up. His brother's like a scam artist, um, I I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It
3: shows up and says that they've got uh, a murder mystery dinner that he he planned. That's the game for tonight. Cool. It's a murder mystery, um, and the the brother tried to scam him by making it an actual murder. I think someone actually...
2: It There is multiple layers. There yes. is multiple layers. Like, it's, it's supposed to be his brother tricking them into thinking uh, that he hired a murder mystery, but then a real murder mystery happens, but then maybe the real murder mystery is not actually a real murder mystery, but then there's actually real criminals involved. So it's multiple different layers of... Wait, okay, so no, it wasn't all... Like, none of it was real. Oh, wait, no, part of it was real. Oh, wait, no, that part wasn't real. Oh, but this other part was real. I don't know. It, it gets pretty crazy. It's funny. Um, that sounds fun. And so these two directors did a really good job making something that seems dumb, just Game Night, into a hilarious, funny movie. So maybe was they'll great. do something hilarious and funny with
1: yeah. D&D. And if they went for hilarious and funny instead of, you know, dark and serious and cerebral, then we might actually get a DD and d film that we can all really
2: enjoy. I If if their goal is d right? If, if they, I mean, I still think that there is a wealth of Forgotten Realms novels that they should just take and turn into a movie or take and turn into a, a TV series I or think, something like that. And and that would be totally legitimate as long as they just ignore D&D. D&D I think we argued about this those.
3: before. You said Forgotten Realms. I'd prefer Dragonlance.
2: No,
1: <laughs> even some of those old adventure modules would be wonderful as sure. films.
2: Sure, yeah. Yeah, there is just so much. Like you know, comic books have been mined for billion-dollar movies. I think, uh, I think the D and I I can't really say universe, but D and D game. I know modules. where you're going with it. There's
3: yeah. there's Forgotten Realms and there's Dragonlance. There's all this material they can pull. And Eberron and Greyhawk. Why and would you make up your own D and D material when you Dragon have Lands. material to pull from? That is selling. I mean, a lot of people like these books. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why you won't try to make something out of that.
1: I think part of it comes from the fact that these creative types who make films want to really put their stamp on a project and want it to be theirs. So therefore, taking something that already exists and reskinning it for film isn't as satisfying to them because they're creative artist types. They need to feel fulfilled from from an artistry standpoint. So that's probably why you're not going to see too many books, modules getting turned into... Which is...
3: it's super unfortunate because I I mean if I'm talking Dragonlance, you know who my favorite character is gonna be and why I want a Dragonlance book. Because Drist.
2: Drist isn't Dragonlance.
3: But I thought he was. Am I, no, he's not at all. Is my caffeine still not kicking in yet?
2: Drist is Forgotten Realms.
3: Okay, then it is Forgotten Realms that I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. Um, I most most people I think when they think of Dragonlance, they're really looking for Raceland.
3: Uh that, that's what. I was, we I think we talked about uh no I I think we talked about this in the, earlier in the morning and Drist, Drist is just the name that was in my head. Oh, I
2: I mentioned Drist yeah. because I personally am annoyed with people who show up to the gaming table wanting to be oh I want to be a character like Drist. I'm like well I guess we'll send all the other players home. I don't think they want to be your <laughs> side characters, but
3: Yeah, that's the, that was the name I just it was stuck in my head. I did mean Raceland.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, Raceland, um everybody kind of likes I, I mean, I think everybody likes race and would like to see movies, whatever. I do think, uh, I think Timothy brought up a great point because when, when a script writer looks at a comic book, they look at the comic book and it's a, it's already been visually done. And they're like, okay, I'm, g- I'm going to write a script of what I think a two hour movie would be yeah. inspired from the story. But it's, and that somehow makes sense and everybody's been doing it. I mean, it took a long time to, to do it, but now they're, they're doing it left and right and there's probably endless amounts of scripts floating around Hollywood of, hey, I took Darkest Night and I turned it into a movie. You should do this, right? Th- those kind of things. But it's so, I think it's different to take um, a d module that's already written down and here's all the characters. And it's basically already a script of how to run your game. And then it's like, okay, I wrote a script about another script, <laughs> and yeah, it probably comes off as feeling like, how much am I, um, how much am I stealing? Am I gonna? Is it gonna feel like I, uh, um, it's, like I'm not original?
3: It's funny you said that because I, I actually wanted to pose this question real quick. On that note, with J.J. Um, Abrams being the one that always comes with these scripts and is like, here, fix this. You think he gets sick of being that person now? Of We're, fixing franchises? Yeah. We're like, he's just going to get sick he's like, I don't want to fix it. I just want to make my own now. Can I just do my well, own?
2: Well, I mean, that's how he started, though. He, he started by making his own with Lost.
3: That's okay. That's fair. Yeah. And, he, and
2: he failed to end it. Again, It's it's sometimes these the best stories are really hard to have them go anywhere cool.
3: Well, maybe that's just what J.J. Abrams is good at. He's good at starting stuff and continuing it, and he just has to find somebody else to end it for him. <laughs> I I don't know. (laughs) Which is scary because we have Star Wars coming out soon.
2: You know, most people cut their teeth on um, existing properties. And he cut his teeth on his own amazing, like, crazy world that, uh, you know, kind of died or whatever. But
3: Before we go on to the the next one, because the next one is is Star Wars news, uh, I would like to pose this towards you. Are you a Star Wars fan? I do enjoy Star Wars. Okay so i feel and I, this is a theory we've talked about before but i feel like i i know what's going to happen well not, maybe not everything's gonna happen but what's going to happen in the last
1: movie and, and how did you
3: arrive at this because i just i try to put together clues that i've seen from trailers and, and from the title itself and i think the title itself is the one that gave gave it away to me and i think after i told rich this he he might have agreed with me at one point uh
2: It happens occasionally.
3: Yeah, very rarely. So Star Wars 9 is called The Rise of Skywalker. And everybody's talking about, is it going to be Rey? Is it going to be another Skywalker? Who's it going to be? And I said, it's not going to be anything. It's not going to be any of those. Skywalker is going to be a religion, just like the Jedi. So instead of you being a Jedi now, you will be a Skywalker. And that's what The Rise of Skywalker is signifying. The Jedi are done. We had The Last Jedi. That was the last movie. But now we have the Skywalkers.
1: You know, I'm wondering if maybe we'll find out who Darth Vader's real biological father is. Now, finally. Oh, uh, we.
3: I mean, if so, that's that's a contentious point with Star Wars fans. We do know who Darth Vader's father is. He is
1: a Skywalker.
3: Well, we do know who he is via the books, but the books they're saying are not canon. Yeah. Now. So via the books, he was uh, mitochondria put together, forced together pun intended, using the force from one of the Sith Lords, and I forgot who it was. Um I think it might have been the Emperor himself. I don't I don't remember. I, it might have been Palpatine, but it was put together inside of uh it, what's her name? Ish Ishma? Oh I forgot what Anakin's mother's name was. Shmi. Shmi, thank you. I had a perhaps it backwards. now we'll finally find
1: out. Yeah.
2: If if they're no, gonna they're like a canon version of
3: Yeah, an actual like this is what's real. Um yeah wouldn't that be nice to finally see? It, I would, and that's been a question that's been plaguing me for years. But the one that I feel like is, it has been. I, I, don't, I would like to still know who Darth Vader's father is. I see
2: is. a lot of people suspecting that Qui Gon is the is the dad. I of
3: wow. as of wow. late though, as of late though, the the Ray question has been plaguing my mind more. Who is Ray? Where does she come from? And why is she important? I feel like with them putting her in there, in the movies, she yeah. has some importance to something. Where do you stand on that whole Ray as a Mary Sue thing? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I feel like she wouldn't be. I feel like she would be related to someone. And I honestly feel like the the theory that Ray is uh, a Kenobi
1: could be the the best possibility. That would be fun. I thought they would have already shown us that by now, if that were the case. But
2: I guess we'll see. I mean, at this point, now that they've. Um, it, it, at that point really they're just saying that Obi-Wan had a kid or Obi-Wan had a cousin I guess or something and somehow they were in hiding they didn't help with the rebellion it's been 50 years never, never none of them helped with the rebellion they're still keeping her in hiding for some reason we don't know why that was um, the
3: biggest the biggest problem with that theory was the same thing I had a problem with I, I liked the theory it'd be awesome yeah. But that also means that uh, Kenobi had to get down when he was 60 years old or something for the time frame to be right, for Rey to be her age. Obi-Wan Kenobi would have had to have copulated at
1: a very old age. Unless she was in stasis for years somehow. Ooh, uh, that
0: yeah. Suspended animation
1: too, yeah. of some sort. The um, Or maybe sucked into another world, like a video game world for a while. <laughs> yeah. Where isa- she didn't age. She, she was in an Isekai
3: not. and
2: she finally... Uh, Okay, so, but on that note, our news well wait wait, wait. wait so okay. you're you're assuming obi-wan had her parents right no that's Because her not parents, parents the theory. died that's not the theory but that's that's a dumb theory her I parents know that's died. what
3: that's but that's what they said that her parents died they could lie I mean it's not that she hard has to...
2: memories the memories
3: that could have been tampered with with the force there's an answer for everything when there's a, when that, the forces of I, I prefer the Isekai <laughs>
1: theory over that. Me too, I think.
3: <laughs> there was a I forgot what it was. I think it was in Clerks when they were t- like they were talking about lightsabers they were like how how does the lightsaber know when to stop? And some guys like the force. He's like that's your answer for everything. <laughs> 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 but then you got real nerds like that's like oh it's the crystal. The size of the crystal tells you how long the blade is going to be. Which by the way, you can get those crystals now at, uh, at Target? No, not at I wish <laughs> cuz that'd be a lot cheaper when you can actually get them. You can get them at Disneyland now. Where you oh. can build your own lightsaber. Wow, and uh, that's fun for the kids. Yeah, um, actually, if you are a fan of the show and you um, really, really want the special kyber crystal, there's a like one in thousand chance if you go to build your lightsaber, lightsaber, lightsaber that you can get a very special kyber crystal in in the packages that they have. And I believe it's a black crystal. I think hmm. um, I forgot what it was. But people have figured out how to find out which one it is already. (laughs) So if you really, really, really want this special kyber crystal, take a light and shine it into the box and you'll see the difference very, very easily.
2: Um, If only we all carried a flashlight in our pockets. Oh, oh, wait, wait, we do. uh, do
3: (laughs) I am very interested in going to um, the Star Wars world in in Disneyland and and doing all the stuff. Um, But What's funny is I have always been, you know, more in tune with the Jedi and all that stuff. But for, well, from like to build a lightsaber and stuff, that was the coolest thing for me. Okay. But now you can build a droid too, and that has actually piqued my interest more than building a lightsaber has. Building my own droid is it, that just seems
1: awesome. What and kind if, of droid do you want?
3: I don't know. That would be the hard part. Um, i I I think I like the the BB the BB models. Okay. Because of. I feel like they're technically kind of all terrain because of how they work seems to be but but not, but I guess you could say R2 is all- terrain too because of the thruster jets and I
2: don't, think, I don't think you're going to be building a droid with thruster jets. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can probably build a BB unit with uh the magnets and yeah. have it roll around.
3: Well, and then if you in in the actual movies, BB was very definitely uh all- terrain because he could shoot the little hooks out of himself and pull himself up well, on the I, edges and stuff but sure. yeah, that's that's not going to happen in this in this droid. But um it's super cool cuz the lightsaber you build and the droid you build when uh I the next ride comes out I forget what it's called the uh the millennium uh the millennium falcon ride or something that's like a, a half an hour ride mm-hmm. or whatever. Um all of these things, Half an hour ride? Yeah, it's wow. it's you go on like a 5 minute ride, you go to another part, you go on another 5 minute ride, you go to another part. Okay. It's a long Chain of things, but it's all one ride because you're going from one step to one step to one step to one step.
2: I mean, that sounds amazing. I just don't exactly understand how they can, you know, push thousands of people through it per day. I, but yeah, okay, me either. Uh, I think
3: that's why there was Disney a big, Magic a big slowdown. Um, but the coolest part was all those things that you built prior to going into all of these rides. They now, um, they they like if you're so at one point you're fighting stormtroopers with a lightsaber in this in this virtual reality thing you're doing the lightsaber that pops up if you built your own is your lightsaber that you built oh that's cool if you built a droid the droid that you built is in that vr thing everything that you've built yourself is integrated into the show that you're doing
2: have either of you guys been that's to new? universal studios um, like harry potter land <sighs>
3: that's that's on my list for my birthday i'm going there oh, not YouTube. yet
2: so um do you the, i have yeah what did I miss? And, so they have this thing where if you buy a Harry Potter wand there at the at the park, then I mean there's all kinds of stuff you missed, but the <laughs> the thing that's relevant to this topic is you buy a wand and the wand has a, um, I think it just has like a little like a may, might have an RFID might have like a little um, reflective chip in it or something, and there's these runes on the ground throughout the the Gringotts area throughout the Hogwarts area, where if you see one of those runes, it shows you a Harry Potter spell. So like a Leviosa or something. Uh And if you do the the motion correctly, the display in front of you will will come to life. So either the fountain will like suddenly start shooting water or um, there are really like these stores (laughs) where you can, you can cast spells through the window And cause the things inside to, to act as if a spell had just been cast on it. And so of course, what's one of the things you want to do when you go to the the park, you want to buy one of these wands so that you can wander around casting spells just like, uh, just like Harry Potter. And it is fun. Honestly, I own one of the ones, <laughs> um, the, does we, it still work? Do you ever carry around with you? Like I, uh, I mean, I use that one when I cosplay as a uh, professor, uh, all, yeah. Prof- well, my own professor, but yeah, a dark, a dark arts professor. And, uh, wow. So uh, I have, I have not yet managed to succeed at casting a spell, but, uh, you know, <laughs> he's, uh, he's still trying. I'm still trying. Uh,
3: the, the unfortunate part was how much was the one? Was it expensive? Uh,
2: I try not to worry about money when I go to an amusement park. The entire thing is to extract as much money from my pocket this, as possible. Yeah, no, that's true. But uh, I think it was probably pricey thirty, forty bucks.
3: Okay, no, that's comparatively a droid at Disneyland costs two hundred, and the lightsaber costs one hundred and fifty, I believe. Okay, so it's it's a bigger gouge. But I also feel like I mean that is awesome. I would I would definitely be that one idiot that's trying to find all the runes and casting yeah, all the spells. That's what we did, yeah. but um.
2: I'm going again this, this November. so <laughs> I I'll,
3: definitely feel like yeah. Disneyland has more integration because it, it's putting it into a show that you're doing as well. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, it, Harry Potter's probably not far behind. They're building another ride and everything. Yeah, sure. So it should, it should be interesting. Oh, I just lost my notes. You don't usually shut off. Okay. Um, but yes, on the, on the note of all the stuff that we we're talking about, Ewan McGregor is coming back to reprise his role as Obi Wan in a new Disney Plus show.
1: Is that official now?
3: That I know official. they
2: were in talks. It's official. Awesome. Um, he loves that character. He said that he, he really, really wanted to reprise Obi-Wan. So I, good for him.
3: I saw the news and I, I think I got a little lost because I saw that when this was announced, this is now the third official show for Star Wars that's been announced for Disney+. Plus. I only know of two.
2: It's, I don't know what the third one yeah, is. Yeah, the Bounty Hunter one. It's the Mandalorian. Yeah. And this one, which is
1: the Obi-Wan show. I don't know.
2: I haven't heard of the third one either. Yeah. Right,
1: okay. Maybe they're referring to the obi-wan one as the third
3: they are but what's the so the mandalorian is the first one so when disney plus starts mandalorian will be immediately available so that will be the first one there's another one in between maybe it's clone wars or something i don't know there's there's another show that they that they've said is the second one and then obi-wan will be the third one is it going to be live action or animated uh ewan mcgregor's one i think is going to be live action i believe from what i from what i read but again, I mean, they're all rumors except for the fact that Ewan McGregor is coming back. That's not a rumor anymore. That's are the true.
2: animated ones still canon? I don't I don't know. Because they're kind of comedies. How would they even be canon? It seems weird. That was the one
3: thing that we were talking about before is of all the characters I'd want to see in the live action version um, come come out in the ninth movie, if Ahsoka somehow appeared, I think I'd lose my shit. Because uh, ah, Ahsoka is just an awesome character. I love Ahsoka. So, yeah. you, are you familiar with Ahsoka? I am not. Uh, so, what is her? I forgot what her race it's, it's is. It's like the, a Twi'lek. Yeah, Twi'lek. But
2: yeah. Uh, but she's is she wait, is she a Twi'lek? She's I, a blue t- blue t- Twi'lek. What's her deal? She's a Jedi. Oh, and uh,
3: she's she's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's or she's a super strong Jedi. Um, I don't think as strong as Luke is or, well, I mean, Luke, I think it was the most powerful Jedi of his time.
1: I I, I think th- it would be fun to see more Jedi
2: get involved in the stories. It's definitely, I mean, that's, um, the the purists are always like, well, you know, after such and such point, there's just, there should not be logically that many Jedis running around. But then on the other hand, the number one thing that people love about the Star Wars universe is the Jedi. So that it's always got like this, it's catering or or pandering do you just want to fill the world with Jedi? And the answer is yes. You basically just want to fill it. If you want to make money, you got to have Jedi. That's why um, That's why the first thing that Disney had is, hey, build your own lightsaber, not build drone blaster. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, yep. so the money's in the Jedi.
3: And it's funny, too, because um, Disney, I guess now, Disney and the Star Wars manufacturers know this. And even the directors, they knew, they knew what they were doing because when they introduced Porgs, I was like, Porgs are so dumb. Who wants a Porg? And then I saw the Porg and I was like, I kind of want a Porg. Yeah. <laughs> Same with the Ewoks. Ewoks were never supposed to be a thing. And they were like, let's make a marketing tool. Let's make them the Ewoks. And the Ewoks became a thing. I loved big the Ewoks thing. as a kid. So it's funny because I was like, I don't want a Porg. That's just so dumb. And then I keep seeing them everywhere. I was like, okay, maybe I want a Porg. Maybe it worked on me. It probably did. <laughs> All right. So uh, this next one I think is for you so, cuz I don't know uh, anything about So this.
2: Netflix is releasing another series every week for the next 4 weeks, something like that. And one of them is Mindhunter season 2. And I just put a link in the show notes. Five things to remember uh, if you it, so it's been almost 2 years since Mindhunter uh, came out. Mindhunter, Mindhunter is a show set in the 1970s about when the FBI started interviewing serial killers. Okay. Because they were trying to convince their superiors, hey, we should actually study these people because it was becoming more of like more of these serial killers were coming out, and they were like to catch these people, we need to we need to understand how they work. Um, So it's kind of an interesting little uh, um, crime crime drama kind of thing, and uh, yeah. So if if you've watched it but you've forgotten because it's been so long since season one. You can just click the link in our show notes. Catch up. Five things to remember. Uh, kind of gives a synopsis. You could you could see if you at least even want to watch the show if you haven't watched it at all. So I just thought it was interesting because yeah. it has been a couple of years now. And uh, there you go.
3: I just I'm glad Netflix is. I mean, they're not going to stop, but I'm glad Netflix is still going. They're still throwing their money at new and, series, endless and, numbers of series, man. And it's crazy. there's, I mean, there's going to be too much to even watch at one point. I mean, there already is now. But I'm, it's just so much stuff that I, I'm glad that like all these things that you would never expect to make ever make it to television. Netflix, is like, yeah, we'll do it.
2: And I, I just we uh, get all
3: kinds of good stuff. We got Altered Carbon because of that.
2: That is, I mean, it may, Still, <laughs> that's still my favorite. I, I think it is. It's just outright my favorite. Netflix sci-fi original. show.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna uh, narrow it down a little bit, but a sci-fi show. That's that's big.
2: Yeah, like like serial. You know, 13-ish, thirteen ish, yeah. thirteen episode thing. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, spe- speaking of serial fiction show, uh, the magician is getting... the magi- the magicians, sorry, uh, is getting a five series comic book. Good for five, five, not five.
2: Now, this is a comic book uh, based off of the novels. Yes, off of Grossman's books, right? Yeah, yeah. not not I the show.
3: Saw. Yeah, not the show. Um, you like the books?
2: Love the books. All right, I I was gonna I checked out the books and I was like, I don't I don't know if I can handle the books if it's even more cynical than the show, and people are saying it's even more cynical than the show, and I was like, I don't know because the show is kind of a downer, and I was kind of like, I we love the show, Uh, I think everybody in this house loves the show. Yeah. Well, the books has the cozy horse and the show doesn't. So there's a point for the books. I don't know what the Cozy Horse is. Oh, well then read the books. Okay, (laughs) there we go. Um, I'm probably going to read it because I I do love the show and I want more. And that's ultimately what these tie-ins are for, right? It's like, hey, you don't want to have to wait for the next season. So while you're waiting, instead you can read the books. Okay, you've read the books. Okay, now you can read the comic books. Yeah, I I, 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 did the same
3: thing with the boys. Uh, (laughs) I'm still halfway through it, but as soon as I, I... I forgot. I, I'm finishing it today. I am. All right. Um, as soon as I realized that it was part of a comic series, it was originally off of a comic series, I went and found it, and I'm, I'm going to start reading that next on my uh, Comicsology app.
1: I have a question about the Magician's uh, TV... I'm sorry, comic book thing that's coming yeah. around. Is this going to be a graphic literature adaptation of grossman's books is that what they're going here for like from the beginning of the books i mean are they doing that
3: it's it's, it is an adaptation and it says lev Lev grossman's magicians will continue but it's not an adaptation
2: it's going to be new characters new stories stories. yeah set in that world same world exactly
1: oh wow nice
3: This and the the synopsis was really cool. Long after Quentin and his friends have graduated from break bills. Oh, very nice. Dean Fogg welcomes a new group
1: of magicians. Which which publishing house is putting this out? uh, Is it DC or Marvel or Dynamite or Dark Horse or who? That's a good question. We should. uh,
2: It is Boom Boom. Studios. Boom. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um, But the most important thing
3: here that I thought was a very important note. It says Dean Fogg welcomes a historic new group of students to the school the first ever class of hedge magicians rogue practitioners and unsanctioned magic so all of these hedge witches are finally going to be allowed into uh, break bills for the first time which if you're a fan of the show that means well this is long after um, Quentin has graduated I was and, say, and
2: instead of the books because we don't I don't really know if the show has gone off the rails from where the books went yeah
3: we have to we'd have to read read and watch both we'll, we'll get there we'll let you know <laughs> this next one is again for you I don't know anything about this
2: I'm done <laughs> so Netflix put in an order for Agent King um, and this is about Elvis Presley as a superhero yes and uh, it's a, it's gonna be a comedy so I'm imagining I would imagine it'd have to
3: be a comedy obviously yeah <laughs>
2: obviously so it's gonna be an adult animated comedy series it's probably gonna be gritty, dark uh, wacky um, yeah I mean for people who like those kind of like, uh, I don't know, horse Bozeman and stuff like that. Then uh, Bojack, think, Horseman? Yeah, Bo, <laughs> Bojack Horseman? Yeah, uh, Bojack Horseman. I think this will be perfect for them.
3: I, I feel like um, there's got to be one... This is the dumbest thing for an, an Elvis thing to happen. There is one thing that Elvis had in his life that if they don't put in this show, I'm going to be very upset. And that is if they don't show him at least once eating a peanut butter, banana... <laughs> A fried sandwich. The sandwich is named after him. If he's not eating it,
2: I, I never heard of it being fried until the last couple of years. I think, I think they changed the, the thing. I don't think it was ever fried.
3: I mean, if if Elvis did die because of bad health, fried would make sense.
2: Sure, but I just don't think it was a thing.
3: I don't know. I mean, here's
1: an Elvis story for you. All right. Once upon a time in the 1970s, early part of the seventies Elvis decided that he was in the mood for uh, a big loaf of bread that was hollowed out filled with peanut butter and jelly and deep fried in butter. So him and his pals got in his private jet and said, let's go to this one restaurant in Colorado or wherever I know that makes it, it's called the golden loaf. So sure enough, they went and did, and the rest is history.
3: I think that's a, that's, is that a thing for, uh, Late night cravings—is that what we're yeah, gonna have to do now? Yeah, make a golden loaf, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're If to you're not that. familiar, uh, Rich and I also have our own separate food channels. Yeah, you do late night cravings where you test no actual, actual good yeah. products, really, and I have taste this where I taste actual bad products, <laughs> unintentionally bad but bad right, nonetheless. Right, 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 right. <laughs> make sure uh, your
1: cardiologist is on a speed dial. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: uh, Rich will try stuff like cereals and and other things, while I eat grasshoppers
1: and crickets and. Oh, well, yeah. that's just fat and protein anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> You're and not in, in a survival mode.
3: Yeah. If I was ever thrown into the survival, I'd still probably die. I would eat bugs, but I'd still something would happen where I'd probably die.
1: How many grasshoppers have you recently eaten?
3: Um, oops, was, <laughs> none since the plague has happened. So luckily there. Okay. One did hit me in the face, though. I was like, I'm going to eat you if you do that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've, Rich and I have both tried uh, at the last
2: convention. um, I, (laughs) people could pay money to eat grasshoppers and get a sticker that says "insectual." No, Uh, really? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so people were going through and and paying money for it, but also they could pay more money to make James eat one as well or eat one instead and so they uh, i think the water scorpion was the craziest yeah thing.
3: the water scorpion was the biggest bug i think i've ever eaten that's that's like a four inch bug or yeah something it was is like. about yay big it was like half the size of my face i and, don't
2: know whether to be proud of you <laughs> or scared of you and
3: I'm, I'm gonna get min back for that one one of these days i'm gonna yeah I'm one gonna. of
2: our friends like we were like let's just put this here so people could pay 10 bucks to like make james eat it and then min did
3: yeah, well min was like wait make james eat it oh, he, We're like, yeah if you paid money i'll eat it he's like well, I guess I'm going to pay money. Then you're going to eat it. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Easy <laughs> money. Supportive <of> friends. <laughs> uh, speaking of dumbest and funniest pranks, um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with it. I am. Okay. Crank Yankers. Are you familiar with Crank Yankers? I remember when that first became a thing. Sure. It's coming back. Good. It Jim, Jimmy Kimmel is bringing it back. So I don't know if they're still going to continue with their phone call or phone pranks. Because that was what drew me to the show. Sure, those those yeah. phone pranks were hilarious.
1: Um you had sure, s- especially the game show wheel one. I yeah. forget what that one was called.
3: I don't think it was on crank yankers, but my favorite my most favorite phone call prank was the Toyota one. I don't know if you've I, heard of that I, one. I, I so I, I might have. It was no. a bunch of people would call into the radio station if your caller number sixty nine, ha ha ha, you win a Toyota. Yeah, yeah. And the lady called in and she won a Toyota. But of course there was a catch. It was a Toy Yoda
0: it <laughs> wasn't a car it, it was, was,
3: action an, figure, it was right? an action figure Toyota and they did the same thing with a hundred grand like if you call in you win a hundred grand and they yeah. give him a candy bar yeah um, yeah <laughs> so those are did those. they make
2: him show up to the studio I
3: think so I think and she was pissed <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think at one point they were like the interviewer was like so uh, what are you gonna do she's like I can't wait to drive this car around and they're like what do you mean drive it around it's, a, it's an action figure and she's like what are you talking about <laughs> like it's, you know, it was, it was, it was great. wrong um, but excited to see that come back. I don't know where it's coming back from. I just know it's coming back. If it, if it is, I if it's in the show notes, I I kind of glanced at them quickly. Uh, if it is coming back, it'll probably be on Cartoon Network or not Cartoon Network. Wow, uh, Comedy Central. And if it's not that, then Netflix or Amazon for sure. Um, but speaking of Amazon, and you are you are a, a reader yourself, right, Timothy? Reading is wonderful. Okay. And I'm pretty sure you've heard of this next series of books because in, I was at sci-fi No, it was fiction in, in the world of fiction. I think this is one of the most popular fictional books in a long time. Uh, the wheel of time series. Oh, Robert Jordan. Yes. Uh, That's coming to the small screen. Yes, it is. The wheel of time series um, is coming to Amazon and we had uh, our first cast, which was Rosamund Pike. Um, I don't know any of these actors either, by the way. So if you're getting excited, I'm glad you are. If you're listening, but I don't know any of these people. But we have more cast members that have been added. So I know it's been ordered. I know there's mm-hmm. a, a, a cast member was announced. But the fact that we have more cast members now makes me more antsy and anticipate. Like it's coming. We know it's, it's actually coming. happening. It's right? actually happening. Yeah. Uh, so the cast members that have been added since is Madeline Madden, Barney Harris, Zoe Robbins, Marcus Rutherford, and. Oh, I don't even know how to say his name. I'm sorry, Joshua Stradowski, I think it is. And so all of these have been cast, for, and we have a link to the show notes, yep. so you can
2: actually like see these, you know, more information about these people. Yeah. Have you read any of the World of Time?
3: I started. Um, so I I, I, I have a very bad habit of starting things and not finishing them. Sure. Um, it's
2: easy to do with this series, actually.
3: So I, I use an app called Spritz. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, it's a speed reading app. And what it is is instead of you scanning the page, um, the your phone would be stationary and the words would fly by, okay. Thereby increasing your words per minute. In- it sounds
2: like my anxiety level would go through the roof.
3: It actually, I'll have to show you after after we're done. Yeah. If you guys look at Spritz, it's really interesting because you can get up to a 015- This is a twelve hundred page book. Yeah, no, you can get up to a 1, thousand fifteen hundred uh, words per minute. Wow! Using Spritz, and at first I was like, "There's no way you can do that." And then when you, oh, okay, yeah, it's possible. You just you got to see it in action. Uh, the highest speed Spritz goes is four thousand words per minute. Um, so they're saying like, if you could get up to that speed, if you can train yourself, you could yeah. read Harry Potter the entire series in under an hour. That's amazing! I was like, Holy
1: shit! Stephen King told me he reads eighty books a year. I wonder how many he could read if he had that. Yeah! Oh my god! Man, I can't imagine. Even imagine. Jeez. Um,
3: but yes, I, I started it, and I was super interested in it, on, and I was reading it yeah. with Spritz, and then it's just one of those things I forgot about, and I need to go back.
2: It's, uh, it's really good, and Robert Jordan was great at doing world building. I think he has a cartography background or had a, had a cartography background, something like that, um, so he's, he's really, really dived deep into building this entire intense world I don't know if I trust Amazon in having the staying power of creating what, what will at minimum be, a 13-season arc, something like that. I don't know. It, really, it, had, it should be more than that. It honestly. had
3: better be, at minimum, one season per book.
2: At, at minimum. At minimum, because really each of the books is like four different books. <laughs> yeah. Because the moment they split, now you're following... An entire four hundred page novel about three different, three it, different sets just, of people. It goes
3: to prove uh, how many books were there in the uh, A Song of Fire and Ice. There was, I, I think, four or five. I think, and there's eight seasons for, yeah. for Game of Thrones. Like you need at minimum one season per book.
2: Yeah, I honestly, I don't. I love the Will of Time. I absolutely love the Wheel of Time. I've bought comic book adaptations of the Will of Time. I've read the, all the books. I love The Wheel of Time, but I don't know if it's going to be a series that can be adapted to, uh, to a screen very well.
3: But we'll see. You know, you know what happened with Wheel of Time and me? I just remembered. I was using Spritz to read it, and I did forget about it. But I had a friend explaining Wheel of Time to me and why I'd like the series. Yeah. And then he also explained Mistborn to me. Okay. And Mistborn. Not saying we love time is bad in any sense of the. But, sure. but Mistborn, mm. just the idea behind it, yeah. had had piqued something in me where I was like, this should be on
2: my list first to read. Uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Sanderson is uh, is one of us. Yeah. You know, writing books for people like us. So it makes uh, so, sense.
3: So I mean, you have this huge fantasy series. You, you wrote, like uh, Brandon Sanderson?
2: Yeah. Sanderson is great. Yeah.
1: And um, I was just thinking that you know it was Sanderson who took over for Jordan with Wheel after uh, jordan stopped so i think that's where i first remembered seeing sanderson's name as a writer
3: and that's where my friend connected it he was like you'd like this guy but he also did this and when he was explaining mistborn to me Mm -hmm. he was like yeah these guys eat metal and they get power and i was like what I i know and it was like they get different powers based on the metal they eat and i'm like okay now i have to see what the hell is going on in this book Cause this sounds crazy.
2: Did you finish reading?
3: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're just. I do the own movie. it though. I do own the book though, so I just need to finish it. Uh, I don't own Wheel of Time. Uh, I went and and found, uh, like, uh, what am I thinking of? Kindle versions of it. Yeah. So I don't own it, but I do own uh, a paperback of Mistborn.
2: I only I own the paperbacks, but I only uh, I only read Kindle now. I, I intentionally avoid paper um, because it's it doesn't, paper. Work. It doesn't yeah. work for me. As um, is your constitutional right.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) All right, so we have three general questions for our audience and we're going to discuss amongst ourselves. And then we're going to get into the questions we wrote strictly for you, Timothy. Uh, So the first of our three questions is, Rich, there are some devices that can handle a Bluetooth controller being connected to it. Mobile devices, I should should be more specific. Um, Would you end up playing more games if, say, a PlayStation controller or an Xbox controller could be connected to any mobile device, not just specific ones, but any mobile device.
2: So, um, so basically you're saying would, if I could take my phone out at lunch and pull out a game controller, would I be more likely to? Yes. And the answer is, I already know the answer to this question because I purchased a third party Bluetooth game controller (laughs) thinking in my head Man, I would just love to have my phone set up and play these games. And the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> I never, not even once. And ultimately, last year I threw away the game controller because uh, it was just taking up space. I never, not even once. I synced it and then um, I was like, cool, everything's ready. And then I never ever played it. The answer is no.
3: So I feel like I would probably be on the same thing as you. I, when, I, when I first posed this question, I thought, yes, I would be totally down for a Bluetooth controller. It's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. But then I, I went back and looked at the games I played. None of the games I played require a controller for that type of dexterity. Mm-hmm. I play Hearthstone and Night of the Full Moon. And these are all card games where you get time to sit there and think Uh, you know you touch the screen to put a card it's you don't need a controller I play
2: touch-based games and and it's it is a catch-22 why do i play touch-based games because i can only play touch based games yeah however um also i play games well typically i read i mean honestly at this point i play very few games on my phone but what games i do play it's it's just because i'm at that exact moment and i don't maybe I don't want to read, um, because I, I don't know. I I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, but, um, I, I don't think that on my little tiny screen, I mean, I have the biggest iPhone that you can get, but on the, this little tiny screen, I don't think I want a big giant controller. It'd be,
3: it'd be weird, I think, but on the flip side with my, my, my recent, um, addition to my, ever playing library where I play the game all the time, dead cells. Yeah. Uh, I think playing that on the phone could work for me if I had a controller. Okay. So it'd be, it'd be interesting. I'd have to see, cause there, there's, te- there's talks about the technology about doing that with, with our PlayStation controllers, about being able to integrate them into all phones going forward.
2: I, uh, you know, I, I bought a Nintendo switch and I have so far only played it connected to the TV. Now, my girlfriend, while she was playing Harvest Moon, she played it.
3: I don't think I've ever seen her connected to the TV. Every time I've seen her playing it,
2: because she plays Harvest Moon, hanging out with us. Yeah. So that's that's actually a good use case. So she can keep playing it. She has actually played Harvest Moon on the TV, but very rarely because she'd actually rather put a movie on the TV
3: and then play Harvest Moon. And then play Har- <laughs> because
2: Harvest Moon just isn't a like a focus game.
3: Yeah, it's it doesn't require your full attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is an, this is an extra interesting one that I heard on, on, um, as posed as a question in another podcast, and I'm curious as to where we would do it. So GameStop's is on its last leg and I don't, I don't see it lasting the rest of the year. I assume GameStop will be closed by the end of this year. If not, definitely by the end of next year, it's, it's not long for this world. Um, I think the reason being was because the, the value we get for trading in games and selling games and stuff there, it just was more in favor of the house for them. I mean, why why sell only new games when you can purchase and resell the same game six more times and just make a profit off that same one game?
2: Which then motivated developers to put more things behind season passes, yep. and put more things by DLC content, thus taking away some of the value of of the games themselves when you first buy it from the store and uh that time is has ended yeah. for them i guess
3: so yeah. we have um ea has their own pass i believe on ubisoft is getting their own pass a
2: streaming pass for their games so this is like netflix yes netflix for, for games. one publisher yeah for one publisher
3: so what would you do if all these companies came together and said, "Let's just let's just make a subscription service for all of our games."
2: Uh, I mean, again, I already know kind of the answer. I feel like I know the answer to this question because I own over two hundred games on my Steam library, I believe, and I've only ever even played twelve or 15, <laughs> twelve or thirteen of them. Uh, it's so much work to download a twenty gig game. You have to wait. 15 20 30 minutes so you have to you have to know you want to play it ahead of you actually playing it it's not like netflix i go through netflix and i'm like hit play nope don't like it go to the next next (laughs) one hit play don't like it hit the next one binge the whole thing okay go to the next one that's that doesn't i don't know for maybe in a study a world or whatever where um all the games are hosted in the cloud and you can just easily just flip through. That's a crazy world. I think that's a crazy world. Microsoft <laughs> says we're not there yet. Microsoft says that um, you will have lag. The lag will make some games unplayable. So you have to look at technologies like what Street Fighter did uh, when Capcom finally made a playable online fighting game. Playable as in like people who take this stuff seriously yeah. actually enjoy it and actually can you know play the tournaments and stuff online um, that takes a lot of very interesting technologies to predict what people are going to do next so that it can send those ahead of time. And, uh, I think, um, I think when we get there, maybe, maybe, yeah, I, but at that point, I don't even know how it works. We'll see very weird. Yeah.
3: That's uh, so the interesting thing would be say 30 bucks a month. And uh, it wouldn't be the Dorkside podcast without even without at least mentioning it once. But say I got Borderlands Three on the subscription service. Now that's a sixty dollars game. I don't have to buy. And now you have a we have a Call of Cthulhu game. Another one coming out soon, yeah. I believe, mm-hmm. that is part of the subscription service. Now that's another game you don't need to buy. You just have the service. Would that be something you think would work for you?
2: So um, right now I pay. Probably let's say that I pay about $250 a year for the games that I buy. Uh-huh. And those two hundred and fifty dollars goes to four four companies. And those four companies get all my money. So it really it has nothing to do with what I want. It has to do with is it in those four companies' interest to make their games available? if if they're going to get less than the 250 i normally spend and i think that they would get less and i think ultimately um it might not work it just it just might not work because you look at games i mean there's a bunch of games behind you on the playstation shelf there that are long games yes they are and so um those games even like spider-man I mean, honestly, you went through that so fast. But uh, I think you put a lot of hours into that game. I have, yeah. Um, I
3: still have more hours to put into it, too. I haven't even started the DLC. Yeah, I don't
2: don't know. (laughs) I don't don't know if it works. Netflix works because people move to the next thing so quickly.
3: And so here was the other thing, too. Hulu was put together by a bunch of the broadcasting companies to try and take down Netflix. And while it succeeded, it did not bring down Netflix at all. It's competing with Netflix with some very good shows. And stuff. Do you have
2: digital stuff, Timothy?
1: Yeah. Actually, I'm a Hulu viewer as well as Amazon Prime and Netflix. Those are my big three. Okay.
3: I think those are the only three that matter, matter really. matter. <laughs> yeah. No cable, uh, no yeah. satellite. Yep. Don't need any of that. Don't need it. We have all this stuff. Yep. Um, but the reason I posed this question was, so say this service started or it worked. Yep. Do you think a used game market could work as a digital version? So used games obviously you're cheaper because somebody has used them before. Well, why wouldn't it work? Because now you're not getting a physical copy of the game. But how much
1: does that matter now?
3: And it matters because now it's not technically quote unquote used because if it's a digital content, it's not being, it it doesn't have that same used
2: tag on it. Why would even, I don't even understand. Why would they even, what is, what does use have to do with it? Yeah. Why does, why would that matter?
3: the used tag on stuff would automatically make things cheaper that's why i brought it up
2: you're, so who would who would put the used tag on it
3: uh, i guess if you're reselling it back to reselling set, what reselling the game that you had purchased is digitally. this because
2: you buy all your games digitally
3: well no this was just i uh, just an interesting question no. i heard like if it can a used can a used game market exist digitally is that no. something that could happen no and i don't think it could happen because because of the licensing issues? Well, licensing issues, and the reason used games cost less is that um, in a physical copy is because there's a higher chance that the game doesn't work when you get it because it was used by somebody else. Okay,
2: so if if every single game I bought from Steam, I set up a new account, which would be the smartest thing for me to do, right? I'm like, okay, I want to buy um, you know, this game, I should I should logically create a new Steam account, and then buy it under that account, and then when I'm done, I should just sell that account, which would have one game in it, and there there you go. So now I can resell my. It's, I'm sure it's against TOS of so yeah. Steam, um, but that is the closest to being able to truly say, hey, well, you could buy a game from Steam, but. Um, I will sell it to you for less.
3: Yeah. And so I I agree that I don't think uh, a used game market can exist digitally. I just don't think there's a way for it to happen. But I think
2: I mean I think it does kind of exist because you can buy Steam accounts.
3: Yeah. But what I think you could do is instead of it being used games, if there's a time limit on how long the game has been out. So if a game is a year old, then you get an automatic discount on it because You already do. Yeah, you already do, but you like if there was a a quote unquote market for that where you're just playing games. But that you wouldn't
2: are, be buying from another human. You'd still be you'd buying still a be brand buying from new from steam. Yep. Yeah. So I, I it was just
3: an interesting conversation. I heard somebody say, but it, I
2: just don't think so. It's I think that GameStop has trained a whole generation of kids and young adults and even people, you know, people my age or whatever who they regularly bought a game day one, sold it day five. And then use that money to then buy another game, and so the, you had the people who are at the front. They're like, "I always play the games day one. It, I I show up, you know, at midnight at GameStop." The to thing
3: get, that's that, that's different with your well, well, that I wanted to point out was not sold. They didn't sell it. They returned it because if you returned it within a seven day period, you could get all of your money
2: back from GameStop. From a GameStop, and then okay. GameStop would sell it used.
3: Yeah. How does but, that use- oh, so I think, okay, so the, the key on that one, I think it would only apply to used games. So not new games. But okay. if somebody brought back the game the next day and you you bought it, beat it in seven days, brought it back, you get all your money back. So I'm not talking game. about it. So,
2: so there's, um, GameStop sold the majority of new games. Yes. And then they resold those new games five or six times because they kept having people buy them Sell Sell them back, back. then they would sell them used. And so then GameStop, instead of putting in, say, you know, a million orders from EA, they would put in 300,000 orders from EA and then sell them a million times. Yeah. Ultimately. And they would make a cut each time they sell it. And these kids who are used to being able to get money for their games, I'm not. I never resold my game. So I have all of my games or I gave them away or whatever. I did at one point, but I, again, I do all my stuff digitally now. So that went out the so, window. Uh, so you lost that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that these kids are like, well, how can I spend $59 for a game when I can't sell it? And, get and it they want like a solution for there. that. And the answer is, is that maybe, um, Maybe game shouldn't be fifty nine dollars anymore or something. That solution
3: know. would be a subscription, subscription service. That's the only that's the only way to get around it. And so instead of buying a game and then returning mm-hmm. it back, you take that money that you get that you would pay for one game for the service to play all of these games.
2: Yeah, I guess I don't that would
3: know. be the only way it would work. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting thing. I, I, someone posed the question to me: Can a, a used game market exist in a digital world? And no, it, it can't. There's,
2: it doesn't make any sense. The logic
3: behind it doesn't work. The technology. But the, technology the demand
2: doesn't work. is there for younger people who have already, they're used to paying less mm-hmm. than full price for these games.
3: Yep. And the last one was um, just, I guess, is another question posed. Is there any interest in Baldur's Gate 3?
2: No, that's not the question at all.
3: Oh, well, I, missed, I missed.
2: Oh, no, there is a question. Wait, but it's the question to Timothy. Oh, okay. So, um, Larian Studios, who created Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2. Good games. uh, They are very good good games. games, Really good games. And that was the question, is have you you played uh, Divinity? And what do you think about them resurrecting the Baldur's Gate franchise? I remember Baldur's Gate when it first came along. Baldur's Gate 1 and
1: 2 were revolutionary. It was a wonderful way to enjoy Dungeons and Dragons without having a dungeon master there. And it was sort of like other similar games that have been put out by another company called SSI yeah. for the PC platform. Goldbox Games. And the Gold Box games, right? Curse of Azure Bones and all those wonderful games, very limited in what they could do in terms of graphics and presentation, but this was the Dark Ages. And what the do you got to do? Um, <laughs> I think the Baldur's Gate franchise uh, should be around, and I'm surprised that it hasn't been around more. Um, so let's see what happens here. I think. I, I hope it works out.
3: I think the reason why was uh, Baldur's Gate spurned. Um, er- I was going to say EverQuest. Good lord. Uh, Elder Scrolls. I think Baldur's Gate spurned the Elder Scrolls series, and then from that, Elder Scrolls grew, and people just forgot about Baldur's Gate because.
2: Well, because Elder Scrolls is real time, yeah, and Baldur's Gate is turn based.
3: I still, I don't know what is what is. I don't know if I am an odd man out, but I would still like to have a minor renaissance return to games of just text based games. Oh yeah,
1: get some Zork
3: going yeah. on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I always thought those were fun, um, but if it was, if someone could make a text based game that was. Just more in depth, like instead of turn left or, you know, you could do all these other things. Sure. Interesting.
2: Well, interesting. I think this is, this is why just like as a, as a person in the software corporation industry, when I think about what I spend my developer's time on, I'm required to have an ROI. Yeah. Right. And the... The way
3: that, return on investment. Sorry. If yeah. You guys yeah sorry.
2: Sorry, guys. So <laughs> the way that I'm told how much I have to return is based off the rest of the people in the industry. Yeah. So while I'm not in the video game industry, um, I'm guessing that when the corporate overlords tell them, you know, the programmers, hey, what you know, what do you have to build? They say, we don't care. You can build text-based games if you want to build text-based games. However, you have to make the same amount of money as, and they they look at the the industry, and so they say, well, if you're making first-person shooter games, you have to make the same amount of money as Call of Duty, and that's a billion dollars. Yeah. And then you say, well, if if you want to make a fantasy game, that's cool. You can totally make a fantasy game as long as you make the same amount of money as Elder Scrolls, which is a billion dollars. Yeah. And you can just go right down the list and you can say, well, you can make a PUBG type game as long as you make as much money as Fortnite. <laughs> which is a billion dollars. Which is a billion dollars. <laughs> I happen to think that a Dark Side News text-based game would make a billion dollars. Yeah, I, there we go. I, I Yeah. <laughs> the, and we could probably do it. We could probably make it. You
3: that. know it would be really interesting? A really funny game? I'm, I, maybe it would just be for us but to play a game where you're playing us playing our failed games that we never win. <laughs> And see if you can find the Kobayashi method or the
2: Kobayashi method.
3: Yeah. see if you can find your way out of like when we're playing Lord of the Rings and they're like, there's literally no way we're going to beat this entire horde of bad guys.
2: The interesting thing about video games is because it's an art form, you have individual studios like Larian Studios who say, we want to create art and we don't care if we make a billion dollars. Yeah. And so that's why they created Divinity Original Sin and Original Sin 2, which are great games and very obviously inspired from Baldur's Gate. So the fact that the IP holders, uh, which I assume is Hasbro, you know, Wizard of the Coast, um, yeah. I assume that they said, hey, we," I, I know that EA, who now owns Bioware, has no interest in making, let's say, a game that's going to make half a million dollars. I don't know, not half a million dollars, but maybe a couple hundred million Who bought EA, by the way? Was that Blizzard? No, no. EA is still EA. Yeah, yeah. EA bought BioWare, though. Okay. And BioWare was the original... uh, Black Isle Studios was the original creators of Baldur's Gate.
3: All of the good games. And then
2: and EA did get bought by somebody, I think, but it's like some international... um, Like, nobody...
3: BioWare used to make good games, and then they tried Anthem, and... (laughs) That was the end of that? (laughs) That was the end of that Um, one. (laughs)
2: When the when bioware's executive team so th- so when you get bought out you have to sign a contract that says how long you'll stay in your executive role and the bioware owners were actually i think it's a doctor and maybe two doctors who just love video games when they finally were allowed to leave they left <laughs> and they an <laughs> and ea came in and said hey you've got to make a billion dollars off of each of these games. And so, yeah, it's, Sure enough. Mass effects ruined, uh, all, all the things, ruined. it's,
3: it's rough because I don't, I, I don't want to fault EA for everything. EA is just trying to do what they, what they do. They're just trying to make their money. But I think rushing a, a development schedule and, uh, just changing the initial ideas on a project is what, what ruined it.
2: I fault EA and I, I put all the blame at a short sighted executive team that doesn't understand that putting out quality and putting love and care into the product allows you to become a Disney. Yeah. Who is a mega corporation making far more money than EA.
3: If, if and I, again, this is something else I heard. If Anthem had taken another year to make in development, to polish it and make the game better, the game would have turned out as a games as a service game. And now you would be paying multiple times on the same game to do this. But now nobody cares about Anthem because it's just crashed and burned.
2: Yeah. If you're on the executive team of a game publisher like EA, like Activision, you have to look, do you want to be like Warner brothers with their failed Disney uh, DC um, films Or do you want to be like Disney? You have a choice. You you have voting power at that level. And um, they, you know, just you know, DC tried to skip straight into the DCU and they they failed.
3: They didn't do any any buildup.
2: Any buildup. There's no build up. Like Iron Man, um, I don't think anybody nobody imagined Iron Man would turn into endless billion dollar MCU movies. But that was the, the Feige long vision of, uh, and, and he's talked about it before. We train the American audiences, not the geeks, the, the American audiences. Yeah. The, the, like if there's 360 million Americans and there's 20 million geeks, they train the other 340 million Americans first to understand, hey, guys can wear equipment that gives them like crazy powers equipment everybody understands equipment yeah. and then they trained oh wait now you could have like serums that, that enhance people and now you have captain america it went oh, wait. from
3: equipment to science yeah. to and
2: they said there's no magic yep there's no magic and they asked the as guardians well yeah people just view science advanced science like magic okay great the these guardians were not gods yeah that's they're thor just, one thor two
3: they're just Superman of our world. They're just stronger. Superman. They're just stronger. Yeah.
2: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like kind of like Superman. And then they introduced Dr. Strange and that movie, Dr. Strange was literally training the American audiences. Here's this extra stuff. And now suddenly Thor Ragnarok. Now suddenly Thor Ragnarok. He's a God. Yeah. And he has magic powers of his own, not technology, not Mjolnir. His own built-in genetics, whatever. He's the god of lightning, thunder, whatever, and he trained them. <laughs> that has
3: always bothered me. Thor is the god of thunder, and he shoots lightning. I, this I drives me
1: nuts. <laughs> well, where does thunder come from? Yeah, lightning. but I, I, yeah, <laughs>
3: it's weird. But yes, I I do agree. Right, so it's the big vision. DC didn't train anybody. They went, hey, this would keep, would be cool, right? And then we went. Yeah, it would be, but you didn't do it right, so it's not cool anymore. And that's exactly where
1: Anthem ended up in BioWare's. Is- well, were the DC films really a failure, though? I mean, yes. are, we, are we judging this by box office success? yeah. I mean, yeah box determines-
2: office. I think box office
1: success. That determines failure. Okay. Um. They're, they're, those those films lost money then. Is what so you're
2: uh, Batman versus Superman, they it did not make a billion dollars. They spent six hundred million dollars on. Advertising? Can you imagine spending six hundred million on anything? Wow! I can't imagine, and uh, I, can I can only think hope my
1: corporation uh, gives me that budget one day. I would spend six hundred million on that marshmallow-flavored energy drink, <laughs> and I would show up at James's door one day and be like, "Here you go, pal. Enjoy." Man, that's it's. it's I'm.
3: Uh, if you guys didn't see um my my channel, taste this. I did a quick taste test before we started this of a marshmallow-flavored energy drink, and it's not. Not that it's good.
2: Three hundred milligrams of caffeine though, and I, I actually feel like it's starting to hit you. <laughs> I think it is too. <laughs> it's
3: getting there. I'm waking up. Maybe I'll stop good saying morning. wrong things now.
2: Good morning. We're ready to start the podcast now. All <laughs> right, let's start it over. Uh, so
3: let's. Uh, this is Dorkside, and no, I'm scared. <laughs> but uh,
2: yeah, so I think Larian Studios is a passion studio, like a studio that uses passion to drive what they're interested in. And I think they'll do an amazing job with Baldur's Gate
3: 3. It it sucks because there's all these companies that you and I, Rich, we love, and they are, the corporate giants are just killing them. BioWare, BioWare have made great games and EA is just bringing them down. Blizzard, Activision is killing Blizzard. Yeah. Activision is killing Blizzard. Yeah. If Blizzard can even survive any longer, I don't even know. They're, they're trying everything. The best, the best thing that Blizzard came up with was, What worked last time? Let's do that again. Literally, World of Warcraft Classic. (laughs) They're literally bringing back their old system and saying that worked, right?
2: That is that is a typical big corporation. Like, hey, what made the most money? Well, that you know that game from twenty years ago. Okay, let's re-release it. Done.
3: That's just yeah, and they're like, where all the stuff that you thought was bugs and stuff that were in the games? No, they're not. They're not bugs. They're programmed in. So it's, it's it's like
1: that. Um, but yeah. So, all right. So, uh, let's- I have a question about Blizzard. Maybe you guys can answer. Sure. After all, this is Dark yes. Side News. Yes, I can answer it. <laughs> the developers who designed Diablo Two, yes, yeah, were not involved with Diablo Three. No. That's correct. They went and did their own thing called Torchlight.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What happened there? Why weren't those developers kept on board by Blizzard to do Diablo
2: 3? Okay, so this is a little bit of um, corporate stuff, right? Okay, so they, the developers left. They chose to leave. Okay. Because they had stock and they were important developers in Diablo. So when Activision bought them, they... Took that money to start their own studio, and okay. so that's a perfect example. Torchlight was a it was a um, was a passion project. It's something they they loved it. And Torchlight was a great game. I I mean I like Torchlight. Me too. Torchlight one and two. Yeah, I I actually never played Torchlight two. Um, I've been slowly playing less and less video games, so I just have to. The unfortunate
3: the unfortunate part is it seems like a lot of these people that did this. Are people I want to succeed? Like I would I would love to see those guys, you know, make Torchlight 3 or do something else like that. But it seems that they never do. Hironobu Sakaguchi created Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, after I think it was nine or ten, he left Final Fantasy and made his own company to start making different RPGs. They
2: it Yep. I I think it's not a company that exists anymore. But I think a lot of these people, um they were never good at running a company. They were good at being an employee. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you you get a big lump money from a buyout or whatever, and then you say, "Hey, well i I don't want to be you know I don't want to make stuff that's garbage, so I want to make stuff I believe in." Did you ever play Firefall? No. Firefall, I was told that I should. It it was an amazing, interesting MMO built by people who had a bunch of money from uh, the Activision buyout of Blizzard. Is uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's the same. Same like ex-developers from Blizzard. Amazing, amazing game. I played it for quite a while, and it it died. They ran out of money. Yeah, it, It's hard. like You take your own money in your own pocket that you earned while working for another company, and you say, well, I can do a better job. Well, most of these people, turns out they can't.
3: It sucks because I think
2: if so, the, people can't play that MMO anymore, even if they want to gone. Uh, servers are just gone and you just it, can't do it. I don't know if there's somebody out there who's like launched a stolen <laughs> copy a of the server or something, but yeah, it's it's gone. Wow. Um, Interesting possibility. Yeah.
3: But I also don't want to pe- get people down. If the passion is there and you're, and you think you can do it, you can do it. For instance Firewatch have you played Firewatch?
2: I've not played Firewatch.
3: Firewatch was a passion project by this guy who made it and it is an amazing game. And it's very simple uh idea behind it. You are a park ranger who is on Firewatch. So if you're in a national park you're looking for a fire. And you make friends with a girl who's also on Firewatch at a
1: uh, like a, a stand that's close to you but mm-hmm. not
3: with not really within viewable distance
1: unless you have like binoculars or something is this like a first person shooter but instead of a gun you have like a water hose
3: i wouldn't even say that it is a first person exploration you don't fight things okay you pick items up and it's it's kind of like a horror based game uh, So you wouldn't
1: even be fighting fire
3: no okay you, you're going through this game but um, you'd be
1: watching fire what if you find
0: fire? You just watch it? <laughs> I mean, that's so, what's going on here?
3: Wh- what happens in the game is um, about a couple hours in, you start finding out that a, a boy has disappeared. And uh-huh. the rest of the game is trying to figure out what happened to this boy. Okay. And it turns into a horror game. Not like a uh, you know supernatural ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Like a slasher? Like, not a slasher either. Like a psychological horror. Like what happened to this boy? And you're trying to figure it out. By the end, you figure out what happened. And it's pretty messed up.
1: Did you figure it out? Yeah. What was it?
3: Um, I believe the boy's father killed him and then put him in a cave. If I remember correctly, I have to in that order.
2: That's weird. Yeah, how... this, is, this is a growing genre. Uh, Outlast. All you have is a camcorder, so you can't even see most of the time. Um, but you use the night vision on the camcorder to see, and things are people are being murdered left and right. You're it's it's a wow. sick, demented game, um, and you have no weapons. You have nothing you can do.
3: Uh, if we want to go back further, Fatal Frame. Do fatal frame is still, I, I still talk about this game. It is a PlayStation one game and to this day has scared the ever living shit out of me every wow. single time I play it. And all fatal frame is, is a girl with a camera who's taking pictures of ghosts mm. and that's your weapon. You are yeah. because the Japanese believe if you take a picture of somebody, you trap their soul. Well, these ghosts are floating around and the only way to, to save them or capture them is to take a picture of them, but they don't mess around. They'll pop up behind you. They'll fly past you. They scare the crap out of you. It's it's funny, so yeah. It's I think the more we get to where games have less weapons and more of
1: just different
3: things. Yeah. I I'm just interested in. it. Shouldn't um,
1: there be video game
2: adaptations of Stephen King books? Where are all those? You know, um, a, I think there's been a couple that Stephen King was like a uh, a name on the. Like the you know, he contributed or whatever. But it is uh it is a little surprising that there isn't more Stephen King um inspired games. I'm totally shocked by that. Maybe he doesn't like
1: games. Wouldn't it be fun to play a shining game? No. <laughs> Enter the haunted
2: hotel.
3: <laughs> you well, just you turn on the game, here's shadow oh, son of a But there is a <laughs> lot of
2: games inspired by his works, right? So there is haunted, you know, hotel games out there.
3: Fatal Frame is Kind of like it's like a haunted yeah. mansion ish yeah not a hotel, but
2: yeah I uh, can see that so to your point there there is a lot of um passionate indie uh, developers who've started their own studio warframe those guys they keep releasing more and more warframe stuff, yeah, they really wanted to get bought by a publisher. I'm glad they didn't
3: because, i I yeah. want to point out a very very big company, especially right now since it, it just happened um hello games i don't think I would ever respect a video game company more than I respect Hello Games right now. Cool name for he- that
1: game company, by the way.
3: Hello Games made No Man's Sky.
1: I've heard of that game.
3: No Man's Sky, when first released, was awful. It Why? was
1: a terrible game.
3: Everything what made that it bad? everything that they had promised was not in the game. Oh, that's so bad. They had promised would, all the so,
2: stuff. So, um, I think I think it's it failed to live up to the expectations yeah. that they. Set. That they had
3: set by yeah. saying all this stuff. That's a no-no. But, but here's what Hello Games did. Hello Games went, we understand you're upset. Let us work on the game, keep the game. Let us work on the game. The next expansion we release, they give refunds too. Yeah, they can you. give refunds if you want it. The next expansion we release will be free. They released a new expansion. I think it was last year that it was called uh, No Man's Sky Next. I believe I-, I forget which one. There's Next and there's Beyond. Um, and it brought players back in, and people were like, okay, now we're getting there. Um, you, you've made the game better, we like it more. Well, just last uh, last night or two nights ago, the next expansion for Hello Games came out and now basically No Man's Sky is a complete game. It's what everybody wanted and they didn't charge for that either. So I respect them as a game studio, them saying, we understand we messed up, we're going to fix it and we're going to fix it for free. Here's here's what we did. And now I am excited to go back home and play No Man's Sky because of all the stuff that they've added now. Like. Nice. You can play multiplayer with friends now. You can go do things like that was something that was promised before, but was never there. You can go do do things. Uh, wow, that's a big get, thing to promise to you not can deliver. Get freighter me. ships and stuff. So, I don't know if you've ever seen No Man's Sky, but
2: I haven't yet. Oh, it's, it's a sandbox game. A very um, big sandbox game. <laughs> it's kind of like Star Citizen, to be honest. Yeah. Um,
3: so it's cool. So you you start off on a planet with no no information. There's nothing, and it's your planet basically. Um, Who else is on my planet? You. That's it. Okay, cool. So you start off on your planet alone. Um, You you can explore. You do all this other stuff. Eventually, you find a spaceship, and the spaceship will take you off planet. And the transition is the most important thing from planet to space. You will just fly through the atmosphere into space seemingly. like Seamless, sorry. Seamless. There's no loading time. There's no transition. It just just happens. And then when you go into space, you can look for your next destination of where you want to go and go to that planet. Well, every single planet, every single animal, every single plant, every single rock, all of it is procedurally generated. So you will almost never have the same stuff that somebody else has had. They said that the chances of um, you having the same, I guess, I wouldn't want to say Pokedex, but like encyclopedia of stuff, of stuff that you discovered as somebody else is never going to happen. It just won't. You have and, a better
1: chance of finding the black kyber crystal. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's super cool. That they've
3: added all stuff in now. There's freighter ships, so you can send your freighter ships now to go do things. You can go mine. So it's basically the, the best way I can describe it. It's turned into and in a good way is a space version of Minecraft. You can build things. You can which ironically, Notch
2: started and promised everybody, and then. Instead, he uh, took billions of dollars from Microsoft, sold the whole company, and uh, that project was canceled. Bought a
1: mansion out from under Jay-Z. That was pretty funny. Is it too much to hope for that we could ever see uh, an outer space version of Minecraft called Spacecraft—is that just too perfect of a name for a it?
3: It might be. You might be, right? Because it'll probably be space Minecraft or mine spacecraft. But
2: I would not be surprised if there's a eventual um, expansion. Mine spacecraft Minecraft. would be a big hit in the German market because of the way it's I, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know about spacecraft itself, though.
2: <laughs> would
1: be nice. fun to watch.
2: So we have some questions for you, Timothy. Bring them on.
3: Okay, so first we uh, we wanted to uh, we've we've had you on you know the episode now for what over an hour. Two hours.
1: This has been pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know much about you, so. Oh well, what would you like to know about? Well,
3: first me? of all, what uh, your name is Timothy.
1: Yes, my name um, is Timothy Connolly. Uh, where do you work? Where do I work? Yes. I work for an import export freight forwarding firm called Trans Group Worldwide Logistics. Okay. And among other things, we provide transportation solutions to exhibitors that participate at conventions and expos and trade fairs not just here in vegas but Everywhere. all around the world yeah. and then um, the reason we brought him in was you said you were a dm correct i am a dungeon master i first became one in 1981 prior to that i was playing advanced D since 1978 so it's been a while awesome, awesome. Um, yeah so
3: i, I the, the questions we had were we you haven't had a DM on our show yet, other than if you count me, and I'm not a good DM. So, oh, you're probably a much better DM than I am. But I don't count my experiences as a DM as DMing. <laughs> it was just like one shots, and I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this. Okay, we're done."
1: No, that's a DM. It still counts. It's okay. Say okay, so. So you have some questions for me? Yes,
3: they're they're mostly D and D related, but that's because we don't have a lot of D and D stuff on our news, our, our show a lot. So let's talk about some D and D.
1: Starting off, sure do you prefer as being a dungeon master or a player dungeon master okay and i would say overwhelmingly so from 1978 until 1981 all i was was a player from 1981 until today anytime i've been at a table for dungeons and dragons i'm going to say that more than 99 percent of the time i have been a dm and that is where i am happiest helping steer the crew with collaborative world building and character creation and bringing it all together, um, helping provide a framework for the story to move along, that's what excites me most, I suppose.
3: I'm glad he said steering the crew, because some DMs don't understand that. No? like, like Some DMs just don't understand, like, I'm trying to point you in this direction, go this way. And oh. some DMs are like, you're going this way whether you like it or not. And you're like, I don't want to go You'll that You'll see way.
1: that sometimes. <laughs> not with me, necessarily. Yeah. Um, what we do is we do sandbox exploring and adventuring and... Very little railroading, if at all.
3: So, okay, I just this isn't a question that I wrote down because sure. I just thought of it. Oh yeah, you know what? Uh, the thing that I like to do when I was DMing the the few times I did it was instead of just coming up with a world and you know trying to get these players to do it, I messed with the rules a little bit. Okay. But I messed with the, the rules on a and I guess you could say a global scale that affected everybody, not just one person. Okay. So, for instance, we came in one night. Everybody built their character, and they know it's uh, either a one or one-shot or two-shot game. We're not going to play this very long. It's not a campaign. We're just going to play it a couple times. So we sat down. I explained the story. This wizard did this. Now everybody, pass your character sheets to the left. Okay. That's who you're playing tonight.
1: Oh, that's a fun twist. <laughs> How well so, did that go over with everybody? Everybody actually
3: liked it. Um, that's fun. It was funny because uh, well, usually in D anD D, something you get some perverted people or you know. It, it just happens. Now I'm so, tempted to try that myself. <laughs> um we had one guy who was uh, so and, and in the story too it's like your your consciousness is still your consciousness but is in somebody else's body. Oh. And that's so that's an why I even explained further first. I explained in the story and so um one of my friends was like so I'm controlling his body? I was like yeah he said I punched myself in the nuts. <laughs> I was like okay. okay. <laughs> that's that's fine. How much damage was inflicted? Uh, he didn't do any physical harm to himself but it was just shame yeah but it was shame. funny because <laughs> one for shame yeah, as we went on with the game he tried more and more to i guess bang up the body before he knew he was going to give it back so he would give it back to him in a broken condition so i don't know it was really funny. he was
1: testing your limits as a dm yeah he wanted to push your buttons and i get that
3: the the other thing i did was and this was a horrible mistake i'm never going to do this again what um every action you took that required a dice roll also required, a uh, I, I called it like a wild magic roll. It wasn't a wild magic roll. It was a wild action roll, I guess you could say. I had a list of um, 10,000 different actions, and I had a 10,000 die mm-hmm. on my phone just to calculate a number. Sure. And so whatever action you did, like I'm going to roll to see if uh, I could read the sign or whatever. Okay, you're going to roll to read that sign, but you're also going to roll this D1, the 10,000 dice and see what else happens. So... You get oh I read the sign but my arm fell off, or uh, one of my friends was like <laughs>
1: yeah should have never read that sign
3: bro. <laughs> uh, one of my friends stabbed an enemy in the back and then casted fireball out of his dagger and I was okay I guess this is how this is going. So I was trying to see if I could do a wild magic thing. It, it didn't work. It took so long for anybody to do just. Did you ever a read the book actually. Spellfire? Uh. Uh-uh.
2: It uh it was kind of the origin of Forgotten Realms wild magic, it uh um. Uh, you ever read Spillfire? No, sir. That it, sounds like a two E thing. I'm really more one E. It, I mean, it's Forgotten Realms novel, but definitely um, it. The novel was in two E. Mm. Yeah, I think I think about that's the right about the right time period. Which meant it didn't actually ever make it into the rules until towards the end of, of of second edition, and ultimately into third edition. But I remember the Spellfire card game. Was that something that was that similar? was that was that inspired was it? from the same? Like it has a lot of the same art from from the books. It was kind of a popular. Um, almost everything for Forgotten Realms ultimately became popular. But um, yeah, the every time that um, every time that she would try to do something, instead she would she would either blast random fire and I don't know. She ultimately got control of it, but yeah, it was, um, chaos magic. Yeah. Kind of stuff. I
3: felt like my idea was a fun concept, but not executed thoroughly. I think within the hands of an experienced DM, that would have been an, a more interesting story. Instead or, of having 10,000 things you can do, maybe a hundred things, you know,
2: and not I, arms falling off. Yeah. And, not stuff.
3: Limbs. and it was to, to the point to where it was like, uh, if you rolled a D nine thousand nine, or if you rolled a 9,998, your left arm fell off. But if you rolled at 9,999, your right arm fell off. So it was like a list of things that could happen, but it was a smaller list. How long until the
2: game collapsed?
3: We actually made it through. Okay. Um, I'm proud of you. And I was like, okay. So I talked to the players at the end. I was like, okay, that was an interesting experiment. We're never doing that again. (laughs) If we do chaos magic, it's going to be one person who's casting spells. And there's a reason for chaos magic. We're not doing that again. Um, But I wanted to jump forward to a question I had written down because we just talked about it. What is your preferred system or uh, favorite system of Dungeons & Dragons?
1: For me, there is only one and will only ever be one. <laughs> and it is first edition ad and d Came out in 1977 with the Monster Manual. Mm-hmm. Seven- I believe
3: I have the Fiend Folio, the Monster Manual, and a DM
1: book from 1977 in my collection somewhere. You will not find a Dungeon Master's Guide from 1977. Or oh, a player's handbook, sorry. You will not find a player's handbook from what 1977. 77 was, uh, was just a... the year of the Monster Manual. 78 was player's handbook. 79 oh. was DMG. And 79 was 40 years ago this year. So happy anniversary <laughs> to the first ever Dungeon Master's Guide. This is the 40th anniversary year of it. Yeah. And I'm very happy to... Be DMing a commemorative slash celebratory campaign, not one but two. That's awesome. Honoring that very book. That's awesome. Which we still use for character creation today. All this, all these many years later.
3: Do you play? Have you played any of the other versions?
1: Fifth edition, three point five. Tried five. The fabled four. Tried two. <laughs> not interested in uh, four. Although my favorite actual play podcast is a a fourth edition podcast, interestingly enough.
3: I was, I've was i played four once or twice, but I've i figured out very quickly that if you like math, you'll like four.
1: If I play later editions of D&D, my um, vast collection of first edition AD&D material in print gets very sad <laughs> and uh, wastes no time letting me know about that. So. <laughs> what about other systems other than D&D? What other systems? Have you played I like, anything else? I do like Traveler. Okay. When I'm in the mood for sci-fi. And, Pathfinder um, at all? No, no interest in that. <laughs> That's uh, fair. If, if we're going to look at any, any sort of fantasy medieval type stuff, uh, for me, it's got to be first edition. And um, I never expected to be, but I have become somewhat of a, a champion for that old dead language of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and our sandbox is a real living, breathing museum of it now, today. I've become a curator of it, in Gosh. addition to just being a DM. Awesome. And it's a wonderful... Dealing. And those who participate with us, they get to experience what it's like to party like it's 1979. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, uh, this is again,
3: I'm just going off the rails here. Uh, do you have anything signed by Gygax? No, I do not. It's <sighs> unfortunate.
1: Not Gary, anyhow, but I have books that were signed by his eldest son, Ernie. Okay. Who I'm very good friends with and who I painted models for and mailed to in Lake Geneva, wow, awesome. where he lives. If you're listening, Ernie, we love you, man. <laughs> Ernie is battling cancer right now. Okay. And um, we are hoping that uh, he will pull through and yes. come from it stronger than ever. Indeed. Yes. Um,
3: so the other thing that if we're talking d and I have to mention it at least once. What's that? So D&D uh, is owned by Wizards of the Coast now. It sure is. It hasn't always been. Um, but it's owned by Wizards of the Coast now. And there's another very famous, very famous game also owned by Wizards of the Coast.
1: Yes. And they have since merged. Which game is that? uh, Magic the Gathering. Oh, they like magic. And there's been some fun stuff going on lately with Ravnica and D&D.
3: And so I was going to see if you knew anything about that because I have...
1: At the comic book shop that I'm affiliated with, which is Maximum Comics, um, you will see that happening with the uh, remarkable dungeon master Tim Wheeler, who runs the, uh, I think it's a fifth edition hybrid sort of with Magic the Gathering.
3: If it's, uh, well, from my understanding, if it is going to be uh, magic, you have to use some form of fifth edition rules in there somewhere because I would imagine so. I believe the classes that you build from are from Xanthar's Guide, so you, I guess, you kind of need that one. Uh-huh. But your DM, you can do what you want.
1: I mean, well, that, that's <laughs> the end of the day too. I mean, unless you're going to fall prey to that old pitfall of, oh well, I play by the book or rules as written, then you can have some fun. I don't play by the book. Or rules as written, and as much as I love first edition. That, again, leads me into the next question. So, Which is?
3: What is, in your opinion, what is the most annoying thing a player can do,
1: and what should they avoid to not piss off their dungeon master? Oh. Um, well, not bring snacks for everyone to share at the table. <laughs> That's just rude. Right, Reg? It is. In fact, I award XP bonuses to our players that bring snacks to share. It's a nice way to encourage... Um, camaraderie, I think is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And that's a very important part of any gaming community. There's a reason community contains the word unity. And we try to foster that and encourage not just you know people to come out and always just want to do combat and go kill the monster and find gold, but D&D is a role-playing game, and we know that. And for us, it's more than a game. It's a hobby. So we've, I think, taken a, a certain approach that transcends what many people think of, of what the hobby is or what it should be preconceived notions. But when you really explore a hobby and really explore just one edition primarily, as I've done, you will find all sorts of ways to uh, avoid annoyances occurring. You ask, what's the most annoying thing that a player can do to piss off a dungeon master? Um, Well, I think um, not being someone who is camaraderie oriented is something that will piss off me as a dungeon master. (laughs) If you come to a session expecting to have a a whole lot of fun with everybody, then guess what? You're going to have a whole lot of fun with everybody. But if you come to a session expecting to just have a whole lot of fun for yourself because you want to do things that are fun for you, well, guess what? It's not going to be fun for everybody. And that's one of the questions Rich was uh, talking about next.
3: Um, The very important one was, uh, so what do you do or what's your opinion when a a specific player has, has to have a purpose in the story where, where for instance like I, they have to what? be they have to be dressed they have to be so uh, yeah
2: I, I, I really want to edit that to not be purpose um, because that's not really the I mean everybody wants to have a purpose yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no they, they want to be drist, they want to be raceland right there's always these kind of Mary Sue sure um, I try to
1: encourage them to come up with ideas that are original and if they're having difficulty doing that I'll say to them well look I have some time on such and such day Why don't we meet, just you and me, and we'll do some character creation and development together. You'll bring some ideas. I'll bring some ideas. Before you know it, you'll be inspired. And even just experiencing my Dungeon Master style will inspire you. Give it a chance. Give inspiration a chance. Give your own ideas and originality a chance. So if someone were to say, I have to be Drizzt, I would say, well, no, you don't have to be. (laughs) you're only thinking that because you're thinking that perhaps you've been brainwashed into thinking that subliminally or otherwise so let's talk about creativity for a moment because this is a hobby yes it's a game but it's a hobby okay so we're here to create things we're going to paint your miniature we're going to create your backstory where your character is from where does he live where has he lived before what does he like what doesn't he like who is his nemesis who trained him where did you go to school and then we just from there we'll start to build up the character sheet character sheets that we use are four pages long character sheets are typically just one sheet one page we use very special four page versions that are put out by Ernie Gygax and Ben Poiret of GP adventures which stands for gold pieces adventures mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's a good company to watch out for the biggest thing to really watch out for, though, is your own potential in terms of creativity. Dungeons and Dragons is a hobby for creative people. If you're not really a creative sort, don't do it.
3: <laughs> that's No, that's fair. That's and, if fair. You're,
1: and if you're interested in exploring your own creativity, you know you're not very creative, but you'd like to give it a try and you'd like to see if you can come out of your shell a little bit, go for it. Just make sure that you align yourself with a dungeon master that's going to encourage you, teach you, reward you, and respect you.
3: I think that also falls in line with a lot of the games that are like this or hobbies that are like this that are several years old. So, for instance, I've been trying to get my girlfriend to play Magic the Gathering for a long time because it is one of my most favorite games. I love it. I've played it for years. I
1: love it, but I can't draft or duel. I can't can't draft to save my life. (laughs) But... I know what you mean.
3: Um, so I've been trying to get. She, I finally convinced her. And after listening to a few other podcasts, explain it like, explain the reason why you like it. Like go into it and explain why you like it, why this, and then let them find their own way. You don't need to sit down and explain every single rule of every single card of every single thing that, that it happens. Just let them let them do it. And I feel that's like the same thing with D anD D, and that's the same thing with any other game that's that's several years old, like these ones are. Mm-hmm. If you like the game for this long, let the person you're trying to teach, uh, exp- you know, discover it the same way you did, like find out what they like about it and then go from there. I think that has uh, increased my love of magic and
2: D and that same reason. I really like Timothy's comment of if, if you're not a creative person, if you don't want to be a creative person, that's not what interests you. Then maybe this isn't the right hobby for you. I, I always strongly encourage people to not feel obligated to do something because maybe like everybody else is, doing, you know, i I'm, I always tell them, I'm like, you know what? You don't have to play board games to hang out with me. Yeah. We can meet for, you know, meet at the bar and have a drink. We can, um, well, that's kind of it. It's either you're going to play game. You're going <laughs> to wait narrow it down. You're, <laughs> really? You're either going to play games with me or you're going to have food, you know, food yeah. or drink with me. Um, because otherwise I work and otherwise I create projects. So yeah. I guess if you're a photographer or something, uh, then yeah. But yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, I, like, like for example, your your girlfriend Fabi. Fabi plays games with us every single week. Yeah. She absolutely does not want to learn the rules before she starts playing. She wants to learn them while she's. Playing. Yeah, she's very adamant. Yes. She's like, let her play. And teach her as she goes along. She doesn't mind losing the first couple of times. She often wins. It's <laughs> um that's Very that's perfect. her style. And uh, on the other hand, if she was a person who didn't like games, I'd be like, please do not encourage her to play games. Yeah, like let you know, not everybody likes to do this stuff. Sometimes, even sometimes me, like sometimes I get home from work and I do not want to play a game. I'm I'm burnt out. My brain needs a rest and I really need to, to just not use my brain for a little bit.
3: I feel like it's the same with me, but on a more, on a more specific level when you you're meeting new people and they're like, Oh, I have a super fun game. You should go and play it. And you're like, what is it? Oh, it's cards against humanity. I'm like, Oh, really? I've played cards against humanity thousands of times. I've seen basically every permutation that there exists. It's just,
2: as much as it's, I dislike that game, it may be a good way to get to know people because you do get some insights into their sense of humor. Yeah,
3: you definitely do. I feel like we get some more insights into this game that we're going to play on a, in a second. All right. We, oh, we haven't told you about this game yet. So, Timothy, what <laughs> what, what is
2: <laughs> What is your opinion on uh, um well, alignments in your in your player characters, but uh-huh. more particularly I'm more interested in what about people who want to bring evil aligned characters to the game?
1: Player characters? Yeah.
2: Won't happen in our sessions.
1: Yeah. The DM plays the evil characters. <laughs> our adventures are a bit more heroic. So evil characters are banned and you cannot even play the assassin class in our sessions. Um, but all of the other classes. It has a requirement of evil. To
2: Anyways. I beg your pardon? Doesn't does an assassin have a requirement of an evil yeah yeah so that's why assassin characters that
1: appear in dungeons and dragons in our sessions are controlled by the dungeon master i have a great time playing the villains and the monsters and the evil and it is of course the job of our heroes aka the players to go out and thwart my machinations uh to the best of their abilities um so i don't like um having uh, evil characters play i I've been that DM in the past who would allow evil as a playable alignment, and uh, it was fun for five minutes, um, and it's not fun anymore. Does it seem to always cause issues? Um, Not necessarily. Okay. If you have an entire party of evil characters, and they're all going around and doing evil stuff, there can be a lot of fun had there, but I don't enjoy that approach to the hobby. It doesn't really make me feel good afterwards. And I try to strive for more of a wholesome feel, and more of a, a, a friendly feel yeah. to to what we do. Try to keep it, try to keep it fun. Try to keep it good and wholesome. And before you know it, you'll have people wanting to invite friends to come down and try it. Maybe possibly even younger players. Um, it's good for all ages when you take the approach of having a evil alignment be banned, and have the assassin class be banned. It's just a matter of personal preference, though. Any DM anywhere is not bound by any yep. rule that yep. says you have to include or exclude an alignment or a class or a race. It's all there.
3: I think that's one of the easiest ways to handle, I guess, evil, uh, evil characters is you
1: just, you you don't, just don't have you just ban it? it.
3: Yeah, the, you though, can ban it. The one way I did it when I did it was if you're going to play an evil character in my campaign, you will be punished for it.
1: What sort of punishments are we talking about? Um, like if You would give them an experience point penalty? You like right would give them the an experience
3: point penalty, uh, a loot penalty, or okay. if they're doing something
1: inherently evil, the other player characters will have to respond in kind. Okay. Otherwise, they'll suffer an XP yeah. penalty. Because it's important if you have an alignment, whatever it is, your mm-hmm. character has to be doing things that are neutral or lawful or chaotic or whatever.
3: And we brought that up before, too. It was a joke in uh, one of my most favorite d d movies of all time, Dorkness Rising.
1: Did you like that film? I
3: freaking love that movie so much. I watched it, surprise, surprise, several times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like that the first four letters of that film are the first four letters of this podcast. Yes.
3: Uh, it's strange that that happened. Um, but there's there's a, one of the quotes that he says in there, uh, the, the player character tries to do something. And he was like, that was an inherently evil thing. One more action like that and I will change your alignment. Interesting
1: I, use of an adverb there it, with that inherently
3: word. It, yeah. <laughs> I just like how he was like, you do it again, you're going to be evil and you're going to suffer it from it now.
1: So it's just a slap on the wrist then for now.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: I so, would have been a bit more harsh. <laughs> yeah, you. Wouldn't I, you have?
3: Yeah, I usually am too. If if I've had at points where I've done it where it's like they're, they're being evil and they're trying to do uh, nefarious things. They suddenly have to fight harder monsters by themselves. I don't know how that happened. Oh,
2: (laughs) whoops. I, I generally, when I DM, I generally run a more neutral world. The world, the world exists, whether the heroes are there or not. And so, um, the world, my worlds don't have karma. They just don't. So people don't find themselves getting punished for their behavior other than the fact that the world itself will react and i try to and i think that most people who act in a way that's un, uh, dishonorable they aren't trusted yep. so they uh when you say there's no karma do you mean there's no karma as game mechanic there's no yeah there's no uh, there's no alignment DM, there's no dm well there there might be an alignment shift because that's not karmic okay. that's That's literally just you're being evil. You're acting this way. Let's shift you to this way. I'm I'm a neutral bystander. I'm not I'm not angry at you for this, Um, but the group decides who plays at the table. So if the group doesn't want to play with somebody who's acting a certain way then I I guess you won't be invited back to the to the table. Oh well. So, oh well. Yeah, oh well. Addition by subtraction for everybody. Yeah. Because now they're happier elsewhere. Life goes on, right? Yeah. Everybody's fine. Um in my in in my experience, I I've normally if anyone really fought to be evil and then they brought in a person evil and then they played somebody who was evil, ultimately they didn't stay at the table very long because it Nobody else wants to play with that person. I feel like, and normally they didn't vote him out, they normally self selected out because when they started getting uh, either their character killed because they robbed somebody, and they said, Well, uh, apparently we have an evil member of the party, so I guess we're gonna have to kill him because that's what we do is we kill evil people. Yeah. And then they'd be like, well, That's not fair. I would, I would it's like, like to, it is fair.
3: I would like to point out one thing though, it is possible to have an evil character in your party and i think maybe even in your party as long as you understand that everybody's going to be that way
1: i could have a, an evil npc who infiltrates the party perhaps and i would be controlling the npc yeah yeah and perhaps they would believe that npc to be someone that they should have around yeah but i don't know otherwise That's different, I think, than what you're talking about, but it's sort of the same thing.
3: I think what's what's easier, if someone wants to be evil, I would ask the rest of the party, do you all want to play evil characters? Because this makes my situation easier where if you're all going to play evil characters, then I will play all the good characters, and now the roles have just swapped. But it's kind of the same thing. Exactly the same thing.
2: But don't you have the right to vote as the DM and say, I don't want to play this game. Yeah, you do. Then there you go. Then there. Then you're never going to have a whole group of evil players, unless you unless you unless want you to, enjoy unless you enjoy doing it. Um, I actually have, and and Timothy commented that you know the whole group being evil, and you're commenting on it. I've ran a couple times. People had fun with an all evil group. Really, chaotic neutral is honestly a better description of how the players generally behaved, or or a lawful evil, kind of. Um, they had orders and rules of how they behave. Chaotic evil never is playable. It just isn't playable because you can't trust those people. They backstab people. Yeah. Um, I people had fun, and I enjoy it when people have fun. But ultimately, I personally don't like. Um, I don't like running games where the people act in a way that I think is just not how I want them to act in real life and so I don't I don't know like I use I grew up reading comic books so I modeled my behavior off of the heroes not the anti-heroes yeah and I always I've kinda, always wanted to be the hero uh, yeah I, I don't want to be the Wolverine I don't want to be I want to be the Jedi I want to yeah, be the Superman like that's um, just me that's just me yeah I've I've always wanted to be the heroic characters not the anti-heroes and definitely not the villains um I knew I liked you for a reason right <laughs> so so Yeah, that's that's where, but I think when we're younger, it's it's um, you know, our group says, and and evil characters are a very popular thing, especially certain people like get everybody excited and then they're like, Yeah, this would be like so so different and crazy and fun, and then we do it, and it's like, Well, it, it wasn't really that much fun, and I don't really want to do it anymore, so now I just uh, I realize that. I don't need to play in or run the kind of game that the players are demanding. I can say, well, then that's fine. Cool. We'll just, Go get a different yeah, DM. Let's we'll find a different DM for you. Yeah. That's fine.
3: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we had a, a very a popular cosplayer um, on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and we asked her all of her favorite things because I feel like people were interested in that. I feel like we're going to ask you the same thing, but they're not going to be the same types of questions. I, I mean, people might be interested in what your favorite food is, but what I'm more interested in is what is your favorite race? Gnome. And what is your, uh, do you prefer caster or melee? Caster. All right. And then what's your favorite class?
2: Illusionist. Ooh. Can names, gnomes be anything but illusionist in first edition? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen a gnome barbarian? They rarely are, but they can be. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Not yet, but that is one of my lifelong dreams. And I hope that somebody rolls up a character that is a gnome barbarian. I might have to do that once. <laughs> As a DM, I would allow that.
3: Um, I, I was when I played City of Heroes. I think I was explaining this to you during my character creation. I was there. Was,
2: yeah, so, City of Heroes is an old video game. It's an thing. old video game. Yeah.
3: It's kind of like D and D style, but you're making a superhero instead of yeah. Uh, but uh, the three races were male. I'm sorry. The three genders were male, female, and giant.
2: Yeah. And giant is considered its own gender. Yep. Giant is like strong man or Hulk. that kind of body shape because it's really you're choosing a body shape yeah oh i see okay
3: Um, so what i did when i played city of heroes was i made the largest character model i could i made everything as big as possible i picked the biggest thing i named him tiny Uh uh-huh and then i made him the healer he did no damage at all
1: well (laughs) then what good was he he healed the party Oh, he was just there to heal. He was just
3: there to heal the party, but everybody was like, "Oh, that big dude's gonna help us." I'm like, "Yep, I'm gonna give you a hug." That's that's what I'm gonna do. (laughs) I've always liked uh, stuff like that. Tell two cities that flips it on its side. Like his name was Tiny, but he's gigantic. Have you seen uh, Men in Tights?
2: The old,
3: the old Robin Hood Men in Tights movie. He's like, my name's Little John, but in real life, I'm very quite large. (laughs) Like we can see that.
1: (laughs) It's fun to go against type. We see that sometimes in our sessions too. I think you would actually role play a wonderful gnome barbarian.
3: I could. I think I could do it. Uh, no, uh, I feel like if you're doing a gnome barbarian, he has to have um, a Napoleon complex. Such as? Like he has to. He's always mad that people
1: call him short. Yes, but more than that, beyond that, what more?
3: Hmm. I don't know. I have to think about it. That's interesting.
1: I mean, it's easy to think of a Napoleon complex as, you know, just being someone who is physically short in stature and shorter than the vast majority of others yeah. around him. So naturally, he would think that he has to or she has to puff up their chest and express themselves more and be more important and all of that sort of thing. But um, it's interesting to explore how you would explore such a personality trait. It's not really a personality flaw. Yeah a napoleon complex doesn't have to be seen as a flaw in fact it could be seen as a boon of some sort and that is something from a creative standpoint that i would love to see get further developed
3: yeah you know it's funny that comes back to my favorite character in lord of the rings we talked about this before who uh gimli gimli is your favorite gimli is one of my favorites now uh it used to be just i feel like just like everybody else the first time i made it through lord of the rings it was legolas are you talking about the books or the The movies The,
2: the, the films the films okay have you read the books I have read the books okay, actually. This, I have, right. um,
3: but so Legolas at the beginning was my favorite. But then upon watching it recently again, I was like, you know what, Gimli is actually my favorite. I, I like him every time he's in a scene. I've always liked him, and that would be where his he has a major Napoleon complex. He's mad that he's short. He doesn't want to be called short, but eventually he accepts it. And he's like, Aragorn, toss me. He's
1: like, yeah. what'd you say? Yeah, that like, was yeah, him. I know. Just toss me. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah, he was at that point. I mean. <clears throat> they were in Helms Deep, right? Is that what was going on there? Uh, no,
3: they were at well, they were at the battle of the battle of Helms Deep. Yeah, yeah. When they were uh, fighting on the bridge, and the bad guys or the orcs were below them, so they had no choice. Yeah, Gimli knew
1: that he had to get thrown. It's just um, like
3: Wolverine and, and Colossus. He's like, mm-hmm. just toss me. <laughs> yeah,
0: the fastball special.
1: It's <laughs> funny. I'm, I'm actually reading Astonishing X Men right now, and it's fun to see Colossus throwing Wolverine around. <laughs> you know, you wonder with Wolverine with that metal skeleton of his. How much does he weigh? And Colossus with that metal exoskeleton of his, how much does he weigh? And if we're talking about upwards of a thousand pounds each, how the hell are these characters like entering buildings, going upstairs
2: and like the Xavier school? I mean, how are these big, heavy characters walking around? So, I mean, Colossus is even worse because he's actually not an exoskeleton. He uh, There's a point where his uh, he gets damaged and... His torso is torn open, and his inside is steel as well. So how much does this guy? And he can't even change back into human because he'll die. So he has to get Magneto to bend him back into, you know, into. He would be the right guy for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't know what Colossus weighs. I'm pretty sure that Wolverine is like 600 pounds or something like that. So that's that's enough to basically break all the chairs that he's sitting on. Probably enough to break motorcycles that he rides on. I don't get it. How much does this guy weigh anyway?
3: <laughs> but it's, well, it's, it's an interesting thing, too. Is the fastball special something that could actually happen? And because well, we're talking about weight. Can you
1: imagine 600 pounds of anything being thrown like that? But
3: again, but can Colossus pick up 600 pounds? If well, that's Colossus what it is?
2: can live like, but, lift like 50 times. I was going to say, like but that.
3: with the kinesthetics of him being wow. all steel, he should be able to. Which is,
2: well, I don't think being all steel suddenly makes him be able to lift 50 tons. Just living in the Marvel Universe means <laughs> the, like your average 12-year-old girl probably can lift 300 pounds. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah.
3: I think we had uh, one final question, and uh, I think we're going to be done for that.
1: I think these questions are marvelous. Your, What's the last one? Your
3: favorite story or funniest story that happened while while being a DM. What was it?
1: Um. Wow. I am going to uh, have to say that the favorite thing happened last time, because I always say that. (laughs) It's always the best time until the next time. Yep. So last time, uh, my favorite thing that happened then, uh, while it's still fresh in my memory, is there was a magic user character who was invited into the mansion of the mayor of a town. The mayor and his wife both live there. And it's the evening of the Moon Festival. This is the, the night before the Moon Festival, when the moon up above and its three smaller moons all line up in perfect astral conjunction with the planet upon which our adventures take place. It happens one night a year. The mayor was kind enough to invite the magic user in to stay at the mansion during the festival. There are like 7,000 people outside town waiting to be let in. It's a big event. So the magic user goes into the mansion and he is shown where the library is in case you want to look around at some books. So he starts looking through some books and he's very specifically told that he cannot smoke his pipe in the library. So what does the magic user do? You would think he lights up his pipe in the library. Uh, But no, actually he goes to the adjacent sunroom where he proceeds to light his pipe. Right next to the sunroom. A child comes in to the library and calls out to the magic user. like, magic user, I've went to get your goods from the next door inn, but we can't find them because we can't locate a room called uh, room I forgot. This goes back to earlier in the session when the magic user was asked, what room are you in at the inn next door so we can send a boy to fetch your items? The magic user's response was, I forgot, <laughs> as in I forgot what room I'm in. The magic user approaches the boy in the library, now with his lit smoking pipe. Now, a fire breaks out, and a dexterity check is made and failed. And next thing we know, the magic user's robe has now caught fire. In or adjacent to the library where he was forbidden from smoking his pipe, I forget which. He removes his robe, tries to stamp it out, eventually stamps it out, but now he has no robe, so he's nude in the mayor's mansion, with a lit pipe, next to the library where he was forbidden from smoking. These are the wonderful kinds of things that can only happen at a Dungeons & Dragons table. So, listeners out there, if you would like to experience something along those lines, play Dungeons & Dragons. It doesn't matter if it's 5th edition, 4th edition, 1st edition in my case, whatever it might be. Give it a try. It's a wonderful hobby. It's here to stay.
3: I had uh, a couple too that I was going to bring up. Mine are very, very quick ones because they're very, they're not story-based. They're just things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, uh, my, my uncle told me this one when, when he played back in the 70s as well. Uh, he was saying that he played the rogue and um, he would always be the one that would you know, disarm the traps, check for monsters and all that stuff. Uh, but the party kept
1: leaving him out of the loot. He'd be like, you don't do anything. You just look for stuff. You don't need loot. Well, let me guess. He gets his loot by picking the pockets of his fellow travelers.
3: He, uh, <laughs> he was sent out to scout the next door, disarm the trap, open the door. And when he opened the door, he said, there's treasure inside. Would I finally be able to get some? And they said, no, you don't need it. So he closed the door and he walked away and he let the party walk in. There was no treasure in there. There was a room full of kobolds and the party proceeded to get killed
1: because they wouldn't give him treasure. They kept leaving him out, so he was angry. So he peeked inside the room and saw kobolds yep. and then quietly closed the door. He's like, you nice. get
3: someone in there.
1: Like, no, you don't need it. He's like, all right, fine. That was slick. <laughs> um, see, see what happens when you cut the leaf out of treasure? Yeah. So listeners, never cut leaf out of treasure. Um, and, and don't call leaf rogue. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Another one was very simple. Uh, the guy that...
3: Again, another uncle story. Um, he said that a friend of his was playing had a magic enchanted hammer, kind of like Mjolnir. Ooh, it was, you know, lightning hammer
1: and stuff. And they went. Perhaps and- this was the magical hammer of thunderbolts.
3: Yeah, I think it was something like that. Because it was, a, he, he was playing, again, very old. He was in the 70s, so he was playing first edition,
1: more than likely. Okay. Um, well, this is actually the 40th anniversary year of the Hammer of Thunderbolts. Oh, there you go. So happy birthday, Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> um, they ran into,
3: uh, I think it was Tiamat, if I remember correctly. Tiamat. The dragon the, that is the king all... king of
1: chromatic dragons. The, it's Queen. all steel, right? King? No. Or uh, metal, metal skin. Actually, the metallic dragons are of good alignment. If it's a chromatic dragon, meaning colored—blue, green, Mm -hmm. red—those are the evil dragons. Okay. Tiamat was all colored and very evil. I'm trying to remember how it happened, but one of one of the things that
3: happened was a dragon had metal skin. Okay, so it was probably a good dragon. And they got a silver dragon, perhaps. They got into a fight with it. I don't know what proceeded to happen, but he decided, "I can take care of this because I have my magical enchanted hammer that does lots and lots of damage." And he threw it at the dragon, and the dragon threw it back <laughs> because he was all electric. The dragon saw that coming. He was like, eh. "Yeah, I mean, he was." They were they were expecting the lightning to hurt the dragon, not realizing he's completely made out of some kind of metal, and that lightning would hurt him. Was or, the dragon not,
1: amused by this or enraged by this? Uh, or he what? killed
3: everybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like see, like I said, this was a story that my uncle told me years ago, and I don't know how it got to that point, but it did. And the party lost at that point because they pissed off a dragon by throwing a hammer at it.
1: Well, hey, your uncle sounds fun.
3: And then I had my own final story. Um, I think it was last year I played at Millennium. Yeah, Um, we played there, and (laughs) this guy. We started off the fight. The very first thing that happened was he got some type of fear effect placed on him. But he was our caster, and we needed him. He's he was our damage dealer. We didn't have we had a barbarian, but the the things we were fighting were corporeal, so we couldn't even hit them. Um, so we needed our magic user. So the magic user um, succeeded at every damage roll he got, but failed at every saving throw to make the fear effect go away. Oh, and so the DM explaining to us what's going on was. Your little gnome, I think it was a gnome as well, came out from under the bed, casted his fire spell, got scared and went back under the bed and proceeded to do this five or six turns in a row. Like He would come out to use his spell, still scared, went back to hide again. Every time it was his turn, he would come back out, use his spell, like nope, I'm not fighting this and run back again. It was just funny how we eventually killed the, the stupid thing, but no thanks to the, uh, the mage who was scared the entire time.
1: No thanks to saving throws being failed. <laughs> yeah. So remember, folks, make those saving throws as if it's something we have <laughs> yeah, in control over. Right? So, right? Yeah. But it is important. Yes, please so, make your yeah, saving. You throws.
3: know what's funny? On that note, do you have players that have their dice? Like, I need my favorite die
1: to roll my number. Do they? We have die. Da- we have players that like to share dice. Um, we have players that um, are not afraid to shame their dice if they are not rolling well. <clears throat> exile them to the corner of a room or something. Um, Sometimes if people are rolling up characters in the beginning, trying to get their stats lined up and they're getting low rolls, they'll switch dice out. But I don't think we have players that are so uh, dead set on having, you know, this is my lucky die or I always roll this when I need a high roll. I always roll this when I need a low roll. Um, But that is a funny OCD thing that I have seen over the years. Um, and I've been a DM for many groups, um, hundreds, if not thousands of players, and I have seen it over the years, whether <laughs> at friends' houses or gaming conventions, wherever we were. It's funny when you see those little, those little, uh, personality traits. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I love that stuff.
3: I've seen a Reddit post of, uh, uh, just dice shaming that had mm-hmm. some of the best stories on it. They would, they would take a picture of right when it rolled and you see the one and you see what was supposed to happen. And then what actually happened? And it was like bad die. I know it's like this the, are my favorite stories from D and D. You always get interesting things. Timothy,
2: when uh, when an unlucky die roll takes somebody out of the battle, uh huh. Um, how do you handle that? It's, you mean- it's like a long battle, and you're like, and they they just they should have made the saving throw. The odds were with them, but they just, you just they just failed. And then it was like, okay, two D four rounds. Oh, they're out eight rounds okay well um all right you're i guess you're gone for the next well basically the battle the <laughs> battle will be over before before it comes back and the battle's going to take the next quite a while let's take that to the next level
1: yeah which is what happens when your character dies mm-hmm. in battle let's say your character makes eye contact with medusa fails sure. a saving yeah. throw Perfect turns example. to stone fails a system shock roll that's it you're gone It's no big deal i tell our players not to ever get too attached to their characters Mm -hmm. and if you're going to play in our sessions make sure you have at least four characters ready to go before you begin because you're going to want to swap them out and when some are ready to level up they have to go off and train so let them go off and train and if it takes two weeks one week whatever how long start playing one of your other characters from the stable and just keep it going keep it going keep it going have this conveyor belt of characters ready to roll Don't just pin all your hopes and dreams on one character and don't get mad or sad when that character, not if, but when your character dies. Mm -hmm. Just be ready to have some fun with your next character and keep having fun. So I don't want folks to get discouraged and think that they just have to play one precious little character because it's a big world out there. (laughs) There are a lot of races to have fun with a lot of classes to have fun with, and a lot of alignments to have I don't fun think with. Dragon, do
3: uh, Dragon... Is it Dragonkin or Dragonborn? I forgot all of a sudden. I think it's Dragonborn. He
1: Dragon. plays in first edition. As yeah, I so say, they're so not they in first any, edition. I'm, I'm familiar don't. with Dragonborn uh, as being a, a fifth edition thing. Yeah. And even somewhat of a fourth edition thing, too. Yeah. They were um, first introduced in fourth edition, yeah. I believe. But in first edition, I have seen some human characters try to copulate with dragons. <clears throat> Whether or not this ever... Resulted in any dragonborn or dragon kin coming into the world. I have no idea. I don't think that that this, would happen. This is how. The, well, again, this is how the. I feel like the universe expands too. You're playing first edition,
3: which is technically the old era. If that's what you want to say, you're you're in the old era because you're playing the first
1: edition. First so, edition was 1977 until yeah. 1989.
3: So they could say that the fifth edition rules that somebody else is playing. Uh huh. The dragonborn that came out were because. Timothy's characters in the first edition were copulating with dragons when they shouldn't have been. Well, and sure. That's how we got Dragonborn in the fifth
1: edition. Yeah, you, so. you could certainly it's trace the roots back to that. <laughs> it's a it's a strange conversation to have, but yes, you you could trace the roots back. You could trace all the roots back, really, even before first edition, because first edition wasn't the first. In 1974, original D and D came out. People refer to it now as O D and D. Yeah. Um, and then Gary Gygax's simulation came out. That's what first edition is. First edition is really just one possibility, one idea of how this hobby could be approached, and so you can choose to take that any way you want. Was you know?
3: Stranger Things was that a D and D or was that O D and D? I don't remember.
1: Neither Stranger Things was basic, basic D and D. In 1983, the uh, TSR had come out with a basic game called um, Basic. Uh, basic d and it was later followed by expert and if you got good enough with basic in which dwarf is a playable class I'll never figure that one out
2: Oh, elf is a playable class too
1: and elf playable class too yeah it was weird it was it was very it was you know what it was it was oversimplified it was oversimplified for um, for players um, who are a bit more a bit more cultured and ready to take a bit more of a cerebral approach to it. Basic d and is more of like beer and pretzels d and Let's just get together and have some real quick fun, you know? Yeah. We're not looking to have this be anything serious or long-lasting. We're not looking to celebrate or commemorate anything. We just want to have a little bit of fun for a little bit of a while. Stranger Things uh, shined a, a spotlight on Box d and which came out in 1983, and that was written by Frank Menser, who was one of Gary Gygax's cohorts and creator of the temple of elemental evil which has gone on to i should say co-creator of gone on to become one of the most famous of the intellectual yeah. properties of tsr at that time second I module i ever played great module right it, uh, it,
2: it was uh, the yeah. first it was <laughs> the first module that i ever shoplifted
1: i shopped that li- yeah. i shoplifted that module from uh, um toys r us in 1982 i think back in new york i was so proud of myself for having hmm. done so too i forget how i did it exactly i think i took it out of its wrapping and i put it inside of another box set and i brought the box set up to get rung up so they rung me up for the box set but not telement, not temple of elemental evil anyway frank if you're listening to that story out there uh, i'm sorry about that pal <laughs> i don't uh, i do not um condone shoplifting in any way shape or form i I just
3: want to point out that was an inherently evil act i don't have to shift your alignment if you do it
0: again (laughs) I, i very much deserve
2: an experience point penalty for that i shoplifted accidentally at whoops um i went to the to the hastings uh hastings in new mexico and i grabbed the book. I don't, it was something second edition and I went to go ring it up. And of course those, those second edition books, I think their MSRP is almost generally 1995, somewhere around there, hardbound book. And they were like, Oh, that's expensive. And I'm like, and I'm used to that. Right. Cause when, when you deal with anybody outside the hobby to buy a, these books, and often stacks of these books all at once and each of them are 20 bucks up and now their MSRP is probably 30 bucks. I don't know what that, uh,
3: well, I think Ravnica, that's the, the Ravnica uh, Ravnic Guide is the one I want to get. I believe the MSRP on that one's 60.
2: Yeah, I mean, so... It's up there. So I'm used to that. And so then I see the price is $3.95 and... Um, $3.95? Yeah, and I'm like, let's go with it. And then I paid <laughs> for it. And then afterwards I realized that somebody had taken a sticker from a dragon magazine and put it on the book so that when it rang up, it would say dragon and TSR. And it was a TSR book with Dungeons and Dragons on the book. Did you feel guilty afterwards? I feel guilty to this day. (laughs) If if I I could find the owner, I'd stay. Because I had the money. I was totally ready to pay the real price. I just didn't. But also I didn't correct him because, uh, I was a 16 year old kid, so. So
3: I, I feel like we're at a, at a decent length of time yeah. for the podcast. I have one final question, okay, and then we'll be done. We were going to play the game, but I don't think we have time. For
2: it's wait, yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, the last and final question: Have you had players reach max level and finish one
1: of your campaigns completely? Finish. Completely finish a campaign? Yeah. Uh, yes, but not reach max level. Have you had any characters reach max level? No, because oh, wow. there are no level max. There are okay. no level caps. Anyone can continue on to level up and level up. In fact, we have NPCs in our world that are 20th level magic users that I have a blast controlling. I would say you could continue to level up for as long as you want to. So, so
2: what is your opinion about first edition level limits by race? Don't like it. I feel that's
1: a, it's, it was an interesting guideline that was posited by Gary Gygax. Mm-hmm. And I've decided to hand wave that along with psionics, and along with weapon speed, and all sorts of other things, too. There are lots of things you can extract from those books and never use to help have a more stripped-down motor that runs and purrs like a kitten. I'm not a DM that likes a whole lot of crunch. I like story. I like developing. I like collaborative world-building and all of that. Um, But, of course, there are uses for the rules, and there are vast swaths of the book that should be, I think, treated as gospel and not changed. But again, that's just how I feel about it. Every dungeon master should approach it how he or she feels about it. Yeah. And don't in, feel like you're peer pressured into anything one way or another. So in your campaigns, do you you have 20th level magic users? As player characters? Yeah. No. Um, as of right now, the highest uh, level we have, I think, is 9th in uh, one campaign that we're running against the Giants where they're hunting Giants and that's a lot of fun. They're hunting Giants and drow and demons. That's the higher level campaign for the super heroic levels. Super heroic is level eight and nine. And then we have another campaign for heroic levels, which is level four and five, in which they are off on a search party to find the king's favorite beekeeper. He's gone missing. Where could he be? They have some clues. So we'll see what happens the, with that. The reason I'm asking is, as uh, a
3: as a DM, how do you do you ban the spell or do you deal with the spell,
1: Wish and Limited Wish? Oh, they're not banned at all. Oh, those are my favorite spells to have fun with. If you... I were to say to you, James, right now, that you had one charge left on your Ring of Three Wishes, and now's a great time to use that wish, without giving you any sort of backdrop or letting you know what situation you're in whether you're on a boat whether you're in prison doesn't make a difference you've got one shot to go ahead and use that wish what are you going to use it to wish for tell me right now in the exact words that you would use to activate that wish i will take those words and i will turn the table on you so fast i was going to ask and do you monkeys part you would not even believe that is why wish is not banned wish is a whole lot of fun <laughs> whether it's limited wish or wish doesn't matter.
2: Yeah. Do, do your players spend a lot of time like writing out the exact wording that they're trying to if use? There, there's to no to... way he can mess with None this. None of song. them have access to a wish right now except one. One
1: player possesses the famous Talisman of Zaggy. The Talisman of Zaggy is an ancient magic item from first edition that has a gold piece market value of about 50,000. Mm-hmm. And what the Talisman of Zaggy will do for you is it will Give you one wish, and then the talisman turns into a diamond worth 50,000 gold pieces just by itself. Once the wish is gone, his talisman is still unactivated, which means he can wish for something anytime he wants to. The way
3: he you guys can't see it, but the way he was
1: holding his hands and stuff
3: and, and like pointing where the talisman was. I instantly thought of Dr. Strange opening his... The Eye of Agamotto. <laughs> the yeah. Eye of Agamotto and activating his wish via Time Stone.
1: <laughs> well, I tell you, that is a fun thing. Wish. It should not be banned. Why would anyone ban that? Would you ban I, that? No,
3: because I've always monkeys potted. it. I don't know if you get what I mean when I'm saying that, but... What's that? Well, yeah, there is, um, I guess, a legendary or mythical item in real stuff, in, in real history where... A Monkey's paw was allowed three wishes, and I am familiar with
1: that folklore. When you,
3: when you wish on the monkey's paw, you would get your wish, but it would always be jacked up, yeah. Something would mess it up, I'm sure. So, you would wish for all the money in the world, but now money's useless or something like that. Like, uh-huh. so it was. I always monkey paws, monkeys pawed the wish because it was just funny to see.
2: Isn't it fun? Yeah, would you, ban, like, Rich, would you ban wish? I, I never banned it. I, I always liked when the players reversed it on the DM though, where the DM thinks they're being funny and they do something. And then the players take that, that thing and say, Oh great. That's even better. Thank you so much. And then the DM's like, Oh man, I ruined my world because, (laughs) because I, I I went a little too far with, I've had a DM that
3: got really, I mean, he wasn't annoyed, but he was like, he's, he knew that when I was coming, there was going to be some strange stuff happening because I was definitely, I still am one of those players that if there was Any way I can think outside of the box to do a solution, I will do it. If it's it's an obvious, okay, you need to talk to the farmer to move on to the next part. I will look in a well for something. I will do whatever it is I can do that's completely
1: opposite. Bless your heart because (laughs) you are the type of player who helps keep things interesting. Uh, (laughs) Last thing you want to do is be sitting at a boring table.
3: Yeah. No, I am definitely... Like, we have to punch this guy in the face to get through it. I'm like, well, can I throw a rock or can I do... Like, I always, always try and find different ways around it.
1: Well, that's fine with me. But I, if I were you, I wouldn't take the can I do this approach. Because DMs don't really like that. Yeah, I It's will, like baiting the DM to let you know in advance if something will work or not before you try it. Yeah, It's almost like metagaming. And if I catch players doing that at my table, they will receive the metagam- the metagaming XP penalty immediately i wouldn't,
3: I wouldn't say uh, medic um, i would be medic I, I understand what you're going so when i do when i do stuff like that I just would, say just comment out and say uh, here's what i'm doing this is it i will so maybe it's not metagaming maybe it is I, I guess your opinion on it so i would if i'm thinking of doing something i would ask the question is um what i'm looking for there? like if i'm going to throw a rock at somebody my first question is not can i throw a rock? Is it Is is there a present That's a great question. The DM says, yes. Okay, I'm going to pick one up now, and I'm going to throw it.
1: That's a perfectly good response to what the DM's answer was to your question. Yep. And that's the way it should be. But aside from that, there really shouldn't be any boundaries or limits. DMV is all about unlocking your imagination and developing your imagination side. It also helps develop social skills, math skills, problem-solving skills. It encourages teamwork. It does all of those things. Oh, yeah. the big thing really is that it helps to nurture your imagination. Your imagination needs nourishment. And how are you going to nourish your imagination to, to the point where it helps you in life, in real life? Imagination like to, will help you a lot.
3: I'd like to point out, too, a lot of people have made success on playing Dungeons & Dragons, writing down what happened in their campaign, and then making a book out of it. And they that's it. Their book that they wrote is their campaign, and people are interested
1: yeah. in it. I wish I saw that more often.
3: There's an author right now. I love when that happens. There's an author right now, I know, because I've talked to him several times at the conventions. John Paul Reed. Yeah? Um, He makes his books based on what happened in his stories, and his
1: world is very interesting. See, more people should do that. I like it. And if I wasn't DMing so much, I would probably be pursuing uh, writing because I do enjoy writing. Yeah. Yes, module building. Uh, I've been given such wonderful opportunities to write modules. And every time it comes up, I just can't seem to get myself into that mindset. Yeah. And it's because I just love DMing too much to want to devote the time that's needed to writing.
3: I would suggest then, I don't know if this is something you would want to do, but
1: record a session once. We have done that. Okay. And there are some sound clips that exist (laughs) of our first edition AD&D actual play, and it's a lot of fun. I use soundboards and sound machines. There's special effects, there's crowd noises, there's booing, and there's cheering, and there's laughing. And It, it feels almost like sort of uh, as if you were uh, at um, at Jimmy Kimmel Live or The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> it's not just D&D. It's, That's awesome. All I can say is you have to try it and see, and to all DMs out there listening, I certainly encourage you to find other ways to Make it interesting, not just for your own self, because you have to have it be interesting for yourself. Otherwise, why bother? But keep it interesting for the players. Yep. And, you know, encourage them, reward them, penalize them, challenge them. That's what you really have to do. Don't mollycoddle them. Don't baby them. Don't nerf anything ever. Make sure that it's dangerous. Make sure that characters die. Make sure that they're ready to come right back out yep. with a new character. That's it.
3: And that's our lesson on D&D and what you should yeah. do. <laughs> I think we're at the end of the episode now. So That was uh, a lot of fun, guys. Th- thank you. Right. Thank you for showing up. And we'll, uh, we'll be glad to have you on again if you're uh, ever interested. Let's do so, it. Yeah, yeah. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.